When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. No jumper. Coolest podcast in the world. And you know I had to come in today and have a chat with my OG. One of the biggest legends I ever met in my whole life. I'm not sure if you realize the level of uh, respect that I have for you. Oh, thanks, man. This guy right here. Because when we were together a couple of weeks ago, you said, you go, why the hell I ain't never had a Joe Rogan interview? (laughs) And I was like, that's crazy. Because in my head, I can picture like a Joe Rogan thumbnail with Rampage right there. No, I've never been on it. But what did you ever have like any kind of weird interactions with Joe, or is, you think yeah. it's just a coincidental thing? We had one. We had one thing. Joe and I, we always been cool, right? But then um, after a couple of fights in the UFC, um, he noticed that I wasn't checking leg kicks and um, that I wasn't throwing a lot of leg kicks. Okay. So he got real voices about it. And with social media, I had a lot of MMA fans talk, talking about, "Man, you don't know how to kick, and you don't know how to check leg kicks." And I was like, "Man, it, it just got it just got annoying, right?" And they kept they kept bringing it up. They watched all my fights. They kept bringing it up because I wasn't checking leg kicks. They didn't know that the guys in the UFC they they wasn't kicking hard. Mm-hmm. And I rather I rather take a kick and try to punch them. And and when I when I try to kick somebody, they were desperate to try and take me down. You know they didn't want to stand up with me, so they didn't understand why I wasn't kicking. And when I didn't check leg kicks, if somebody was kicking hard, then I check them. Right. So I, I stepped to Joe like Joe, man, man, why are you saying all this shit about me uh, not kick, knowing how to kick and not checking leg kicks? I had to. Something about my fight when I was fighting in Japan, I was checking leg kicks all the time. Those guys over there, they just kicked harder for some reason when I was fighting in Pride. And and we had like a, a few words and stuff. And uh, I did say something kind of bad. I, 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 I got tired of people constantly talking shit about me. So I tell them, you know, watch the UFC, turn it, the volume down. <laughs> I said, you'll get a, you know what I'm saying? You'll get a different, it'll be a different fight. Cause, right. Because the color commentators, you know how that started off with radio. You know, they would paint the picture of the fight for you. Right. So Joe, can, he can be kind of biased sometimes, you know, against, like, jiu-jitsu guys. He loves jiu-jitsu guys. And sometimes when I watch the fight, I turn it down a little bit. Then I get a different, you know, some view of the fight. Because it's a lot of power that he has right there because the average fan doesn't necessarily know everything that's going on. Right. And, and you can see it in the moment where the announcer sometimes wake up and say, Oh, he just you know kicked him in the. He just broke his rib. He just kicked him in the in the in the midsection or something. And then you'll realize a few seconds later that that isn't what happened. Right. And they'll and they'll correct it. But you'll also realize that if they hadn't corrected it, you and your brain as a person who's just watching, you would have gone with this wrong narrative because. Right. And that just says a lot about how much the commentators have control over your brain. Right, right. You know, it, it's unfortunate, but um, you know, it's a lot of new fans uh, all the time. The sport is constantly growing and. Yeah, they don't know what's going on a lot of time when you're a new fan. And um, I, I thought me and Joe, I thought we was cool after that talk we had because I had already said all that stuff like turn the volume down. I had already said everything before I talked to him. 
then after we talked, you know, so I was cool. He he kind of got it. He apologized, and then you know, so I apologized, and then we was cool. But you know, it's all good. I I, I never asked anybody to be on their show. Right. I, I was just I was just wondering why he why he never you know said. So I'm like, damn, why Joe never invited me on the show? I'm sure he's pretty all over the place at this point in terms of just because you know he used to do a lot more MMA content, I think, and now he's got you know a different doctor and comedian every week. I'm sure he feels yeah. like he kind of picks and chooses his. MMA content, maybe. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I watched some of his um, clips on what on uh, TikTok or Instagram and stuff like that, and he has some pretty interesting guests on all the time. Right, definitely. It was kind of crazy during the pandemic to see the media sort of decide that Joe Rogan was like the new Donald Trump, and that they were just going to try to turn him into like this Hitler type yeah. character that make everybody hate him. Yeah, they were trying to cancel him for a second though, wasn't they? Yeah, it got pretty intense there for a while. It feels yeah. like they kind of gave up. Yeah, but I, I think that. Um, I think he proved himself. Well, he was taking ivermectin, and they were trying to <laughs> say, "Oh, this horse deworm." Yeah, I remember. That. I was laughing because because yeah. uh, I agree with Joe Rogan because uh, I knew about ivermectin before um, before Joe Rogan talked about it. Okay, and I had just got lucky. Um, one of my close friends um, had an uh, assistant from from a different country. I think D Dominican or somewhere in South America. Okay, and she said that um, years ago when she was a girl, like man, she's like in her thirties now, and she was a, she said when she was a young girl. They had the same symptoms over there, like um, the same symptoms as COVID or whatever. And and she said um, their whole family and like everybody out there took ivermectin, and it, and it healed them up like within like a week. You ever get COVID? No, never got it. You never got it. Never so you never it. had to take the ivermectin. You just knew about it. No, no, no. I've taken it for other stuff. I've, I what I did was I went to Mexico, and I stockpiled it because uh -huh. a lot of my family members and stuff was getting it. My son got it three times. Really? And and because uh, he he kept training throughout. And you went there and brought back the ivermectin? Well, one of my friends worked there and stuff, and he okay. and he he'd get bring a little bit at a time. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I still have some. I, I, I stockpiled it just in case I did get COVID or whatever. Side note, you ever go to Mexico and you walk by the, the – the pharmacies or whatever, and it'll just have a full list of like growth hormone, testosterone, like all the the drugs that you would love to get fucked up on. Like, you ever you ever tap in with that? No, I, I see it, I see it, <laughs> I see it all the time. But I, I'd be too scared to um, bring some of this stuff back across the border, so I don't fuck with it. But I was in Thailand, same thing. Really? The pharmacy, you can you can go get anything. Right. Yeah, it's wild. Going a little growth hormone vacation. Yeah, you can do it. You know, but it takes like what. I heard it takes yeah. like six weeks. It takes a long time. It to takes kick a long in, time. I think, to kick yeah. In, that's but hey, I don't think it should. Be, I think it should be like that for us though, because if you take it responsibly, I think it's good for you. But do you think that if you if that was the case, because already like I went to my friend's gym recently, my boy uh, Bradley Martin, and he's got a gym that a lot of like bodybuilder type dudes work out on. Clearly, these dudes are not having any kind of problems getting testosterone and growth hormone, whatever the hell they're on. You yeah. think that the laws should be different? Yeah, I think the I think the laws should be different. Uh, I don't agree with people taking um, steroids because I don't I don't understand it. Mm. I don't know what it is, but testosterone, yeah, our body produces testosterone. I think that um, well, you can get it prescribed. It's essentially the same thing, right? When people do steroids, they're just shooting up synthetic testosterone. Well, I think uh, from what I what I, the little bit I do know about it, it's just a different molecule or something okay, yeah. that makes it steroids. Right. So I don't I don't know much about. It. I've never taken steroids, but I have taken testosterone. But I've I've. Like in this, you know, L.A. world of high-priced doctors and stuff that I'm sure you've been exposed to at least a little bit, too. I've had plenty of people tell me, like, yeah, I got this doctor in Beverly Hills. He'll get you loaded up off growth hormone, whatever kind of diet shit that, that you need prescribed, et cetera. Those, those new diabetic shots, you heard about those? 
Oh yeah, I, I have. I have. That's heard. what the Kardashians are on and shit. Yeah, I heard about that. Uh, I forgot the name of it. Wekovia. Ozempic. Yeah, Ozempic and Wekovia, the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Heard, yeah, one of my friends. Uh, he's he's you know he's a big guy. He he does that and he told me about it. I keep finding out about more and more normal people who are on it, and apparently that the the health risks aren't that bad. So people are actually like really loving this shit. I, I thought it was only for people that that. You know, that needed to lose like a hundred pounds or something. I didn't think it worked for people. That's what it's supposed to be for is people who are like really obese. Now yeah. you got people who want to lose 10 pounds, so they start taking it. Yeah, I don't know if it's good for them, though. Uh, I, I, I don't know how it is, but yeah, you can get prescribed almost anything here, but you know how America is. You got to make that money. It's yeah. not like at the pharmacy, you just walk in the front, like the doctor, everybody got to make their money off of it. But I'm just saying, like, there's a kind of like uh, asymmetry here where rich people in Hollywood can go to these doctors and just get it if they're yeah. willing to cop some money. But then meanwhile, some some gym in Ohio or whatever, they got like an underground steroid dealer and he's getting busted and shit. Yeah. So it's a situation where like rich people are getting to take part in all this shit carefree. And then like poor people are the ones actually yeah. taking the risks and shit. Yeah, it fucking sucks, man. Yeah. Yeah, it fucking sucks. I tell you. It is a weird thing. It's a weird thing. But you can get prescribed almost anything except for, I don't think you can get steroids prescribed, though. Uh, not well, anabolical. But, but you can get, you know, testosterone replacement therapy relatively easily these days, I'm pretty sure. But yeah. again, that's rich people's shit. Like, poor yeah. people can't afford that. No, no, you're right, because it, it is expensive. But as you get older, have you had that conversation with your doctor? How's your testosterone doing in general? Well, um, the last time I tested, it was really low, and um, I got put on testosterone. Really? Yeah, it was really, it was really, it was in the 200s. And so you were just on it for a period of time, or you're still on it? I'm still on it. And how is that? It, it helps. It helps. I'm on a real low dose because I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be um, like. My, I'm not trying to get my levels up to twelve, twelve hundred. So I'm on like a real low dose because I'm not really fighting and stuff right now. Right. And then when I do fight, uh, I don't think I can take testosterone anymore. You have to get off it. I think I have to get off it because uh, it used to be. It used to be okay, but um, yeah, for a while there. Yeah, yeah. Then a couple of fighters abused it, but I think. Um, I think if I have a doctor note, I might be able to take it. Right. Fight. Yeah, because maybe Bellator has different rules. Would you be going back to Bellator no, most I, likely, no, or I would probably, you be doing something else? I probably won't go back to Bellator. I don't think Bellator wanted anything to do with me after my last fight. Oh, really? My, my last fight was a flop. It was just really bad. So I, it was my last fight in my contract, and, and I don't think they'd take me back. But I, I like um, I like to do like some grudge matches, you know, since I'm old and stuff. Mm. There's a couple of guys that, um, that I, I owe some ass kickings to. Who? Uh, for one, Vandalay, me and mm. him, we fought four times, so we two two. I would like to, um, you know, box him or something different, right. you know, get, you know, so even the score. And then um, Marvin Eastman, I owe him a, a rubber match. We we're one one, and the guy from the um, Ultimate Fighter, um, Daryl Shonow, the guy I, I gave him a nickname Titties. Right. <laughs> yeah, he hates me, and um, I feel kind of bad because. Um, the young kids, they think it's bullying when you make fun of somebody. Right. So, you know, when I grew up, bullying was you used to beat the shit out of somebody, take their lunch money or something like that. Right. But now bullying if you make fun of somebody's shoes. And so people... Um, what do you call them, titties? Yeah, I call them titties. <laughs> I call them titties, but, you know, he started he started the whole thing. Right. You know, he made fun of me. I just I was just funnier. I like to joke around. What an unreal world we live in, in which dudes who beat the shit out of each other for a living can then be sort of shunned for talking shit about like their titty size or their shoes or whatever like, yeah. like this is unreal because you can understand if you work at facebook or you work at some fortune 500 company that yeah you're not allowed to make fun of the dude across from you in the hallway's shoes right this is the u.s this is the mma this right. is like i mean what the fuck are we talking about right anything goes you know what i'm saying uh i've, I've had my page um i've gotten like um banned for 
talk about beating up my um, opponent. Mm. Yeah, on Instagram, they they gave me a couple of warnings because I was talking about kicking my opponent's ass and stuff like that. Yeah, the world is really different now. Like when I was a kid, it, it was sticks and stones may break my bones, but words would never hurt me. Right now, if you if you talk about somebody's haircut, you a bully. You, right, you make fun of somebody's haircut, you a bully. I just don't get it. The other day, I reposted. We did a live podcast in front of an audience, and some some fan filmed this, the us on stage. And I don't even remember what he said, but I think he might have said something like, oh, man, Adam, I'm going to fuck you up, something like that. But I didn't even have the noise on when I reposted on my story. And I got a community guidelines violation because this dude said he was going to fuck me up, and I didn't even hear it. And that's yeah. honestly just my guess because yeah. I don't know what the fuck else he might have been saying during it. They took it down. They took, And I got a violation for reposting a fan's story of me right this is a weird world we live in yeah they, they're too strict with that you know yeah they're too strict with that shit but, but do you think that a ufc fighter or an mma fighter when they're doing press for a fight like what's over the line do, should they not be able to say i'm gonna kill you because i feel like that's been the line that i've seen people cross over the years that all of a sudden the executives want to get involved they're like no you can't say that yeah but i but do they mean it literally? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, because in the heat of the moment, like we're not actors, you know, and we're we're fighters, you know. Even though I've done movies and stuff like that, but when you're in that mindset, it's real. Mm -hmm. All that shit is real. And and I will say in in MMA, uh, ninety nine percent of the beasts are real. Mm. Like they really, if they really met each other, they really don't like each other. Right. And, then, and so you're gonna say shit. So I wouldn't trip if he said I'm going to kill you. But I wouldn't I wouldn't trip because. You know, I think anything should should go as long as they don't put hands on each other in, in the press conference. People need to look at MMA like they look at hip hop, in my opinion, in the sense that you got all these other sports, you got all these other genres of music where people are expected to be generally kind of polite and stuff. But then rappers get given a long ass leash where rappers get to say somewhat homophobic shit, violent shit. You know, there's no other fucking art form of music in the world where it's kind of normal to say, like, hey, I'm going to shoot you. Yeah, and in rap, that stuff doesn't really make anybody uh, raise an eyelash. So to me, I feel like I would like to see USC treated with the same, well, the same way. Well, I'm gonna tell you this: I've noticed lately that some rappers, you know, been getting in trouble for like it, shit, and yeah. then they use their lyrics against them in court. That's true too. I yeah. think that's fucked up. Mm -hmm. Like uh, other other artists, you don't see that shit, and it happened to me once. I, I got in trouble a long time ago, right? And then um, uh, while I was still going through my court case, uh, I I knocked the guy out. And um, Vanderlei, I knocked him out. And in the heat of the moment, I gave him a couple of more punches. I don't know why. You know, it's the referee's job to okay, pull I you off. This, yeah. I, I was just, I wasn't in my my mind, my right mind frame. You did I, look like a fucking maniac when yeah, you did that. Yeah, I, I, I wish I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I wish I didn't. But this guy gave me two of the worst ass whoopings I ever mm. ever had. And and the day before at the weigh-ins, he pushed me. And then and in, in the locker room, I mean, where afterwards backstage, he was talking shit and talking about how how I was scared of him and how he knocked me out the the times before. Right. So I don't know if that was in the back of my mind when I fought him, but when I knocked him out, I hit him a couple couple more times. Then I had to go to court like um maybe like a month or so later after that, and they brought that up that like oh you a barbarian, you knocked the guy out, and then you were still hitting him, and I was like. In your mind, though, is it possible that you just black out so hard that it stops being a, an MMA thing and it starts to just become like you're in the fucking bar fighting? Well, I know for for a fact that there was Rampage in there fighting. You know, I know I'm two <laughs> different people. Right. And, yeah, it's it's like when when you fight somebody that 
that has knocked you out before. The guy gave me two of the worst. The first time he he kneed me in the face like fifteen times, mm. and the referee had to stop the the referee had to stop the match. And then the second time he had me hanging on the ropes. Like this guy gave me two of the worst beatings I ever had in my life. Mm. And so it's just like one of those things. It's subconscious. Like I just wanted to, I just wanted to hurt. Him. I, and that that mindset, I wanted to kill him. Right? Mm. You know, saying so you think like, oh, let me, I'm gonna try to. No, kill this guy. But you MMA really, is two guys trying to kill each other, but then you have a ref and a few different rules in place to make it so you, it's very difficult to actually kill the other guy. Right. But in your mind, even when you're training, like if you're on ju doing jujitsu, rolling around on the ground together, you're kind of trying to kill each other. Yeah, you're just assuming that these rules are going to prevent that from actually happening. Right, because you can kill somebody with jujitsu. You choke them out. And yeah, you easy. Choke them out, choke them Every time it. you train jujitsu, you get within five seconds of killing the other person. Right, yeah. right. People just don't understand. But the mindset... You have to be in a different mindset to go against uh, a guy that beat you twice because people thought he had my number. And so maybe that was what it was. So if Vanellay is listening today, I want to apologize to you. You know, I, don't, I didn't mean to um, hit you that many times after I knocked you out. Mm. But that's interesting. So do you feel like, let's say hypothetically, let's say you had like a murder case. And they're going to try to use everything you ever said on camera against you. Yeah. But... It's kind of like being a rapper, right? Exactly. Every time you ever said, I'm going to fucking destroy you, I'm going to take your life, sap the soul out you, that's the same thing as Young Thug getting on the mic and saying, I'm going to spray up your house or whatever, right, you know? Right, but are, are these rappers, are they really talking about crimes they committed in real life, though, or are they just talking shit in general? See, that's, that's the weird thing about it is that with Young Thug, it's like, on one hand, yes, it's very normal for a rapper to say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot at you or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill your mom or whatever. Like, these kind of things that are super extreme are kind of normal to say in a rap song because everybody assumes they're not being serious. And most rappers who say those kind of things are not being serious. But then when you can connect certain crimes and certain murders that it turns out were carried out by your associates and then you have lyrics that seem like they directly relate back to that. And it gets even worse when, you know, Young Thug's a little bit older, but when you look at these young kids in New York and shit who are literally making songs, telling their enemies that they're going to kill each other, and then they fucking do it. And yeah. then they make more songs pretty explicitly talking about it. Yeah. That, when I see that kind of shit, I'm kind of like, how on earth would a court would a court system not be able to use this as evidence? Yeah. These lyrics are fucking confessions, practically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think it's stupid as fuck. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but um, uh, a former um, UFC fighter just kills a girl in Mexico. He killed a girl in Mexico. Oh, I man. did see this. Yeah, his girlfriend. I, this is the weirdest thing. I was talking to him. I was in Japan. I was talking to him. he wanted to get a bare knuckle fight. Me and my and my. One of my coaches, Antonio McKee, we was in Japan talking to him, FaceTiming on, on Instagram. I don't know if it was the day before or the day of, because you know the time difference in, mm. in Japan. Like we we a day ahead, and it was right around New Year's, and um, we was talking to him. That's regular shit. Regular shit, and he seemed fine. I saw him smoking. I saw him smoking a cigarette. You know, I'm like, I didn't know you smoke. What you doing smoking a cigarette? He, I'm saying, you trying to get a fight? You over smoking a cigarette? He said, oh, I'm just, I'm just in Mexico. I'm just chilling out. You know, he had been in Mexico for for a while, and um, I had um, recently posted something, I, I, a comment on his page because um, he um, he got me some type of gig, and I and anytime somebody get me a gig, make me some money, I like to, you know, break them off. So I said, when you come back to America, I owe you money, and then it stayed up for a while, and then it was after after I got back, I know some people said. Uh, Oh, he ain't gonna never get that money. He killed somebody. I'm like, what? Well, quit lying and quit lying. I kept telling people, stop lying. And then uh, a girl slid into my DM and said, yeah, he killed my friend. And he talked, I'm like, wow. So what the fuck? It was, it just beat the girl up.
And that, that makes that makes all of us look bad if you really think about it. Yeah. You know, that that's scary that you know uh a professional fighter can actually go and, and beat a girl to death. Because you'd like to think that somebody who's got so much training in martial arts would know how to control their superpower. Right. You know? Right. You you should. You should know how to control it. You should you should walk around, you know what I'm saying, as a civilian and like try to avoid as much as possible. I've I've tried to buy people drinks in clubs and stuff so I wouldn't beat their ass. You know, you just <laughs> it's just a certain thing that you have to do. It's just it's just a responsibility. And if I'm ever dating a girl and it gets to that point where I'm like I get it in my mind like, man, I feel like smacking this bitch. Mm. It's done. It's done. Yeah, me and my girl were just watching the uh the Dana White situation that he got into. <laughs> And she seemed surprised when I said, like, I would never, I would not hit you. If you did that to me, if you smack me across the face, I'm just so much bigger than you. And I'm not a fucking professional fighter by any means. I'm not, like, some huge muscular dude. But I also know that if I hit you in the face, I might really knock you out. Yeah. And if you hit me in the face, you might give me a little tiny bruise on my cheek. It's just yeah. not an it's equal not thing. Yeah, you don't You don't think it's fair. Yeah, now yeah, maybe you know. if you knocked my fucking two front teeth out, maybe my brain would snap and I might smack the shit out of you for real. But I, I, I don't really think that I would react that way based on, like, a a little slap. Yeah, I saw the video. It didn't look like he slapped her back hard, though. But he kind of, like, continued with it. Like, he hit her one time, and then he kind of... I, did, I didn't see that part. He kind of, like, ma mashed her down a few more times. But he does have the ultimate card to get away from this in the sense that she did hit him first. So it's, it is kind of still him reacting, even if it's a much smaller woman, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I basically, me, in my opinion, I don't think a woman should put her hands on a man just don't open up that can of worms because mm. we're we're a lot stronger and bigger than them. I I don't I don't condone um, domestic violence, but you know, like what Dana White did, what I saw, I, I saw him like kind of smack her back a little bit. Me personally, I probably would just threw my drink in her face. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Pushed pushed her off of me. I I, I probably wouldn't have smacked her back myself because because I've been told I got a heavy heavy hand. I probably would have knocked the bitch out. I could imagine you got big ass hands. I don't want to get hit with hands. that. I got big ass hands. Yeah, it's like getting hit with a brick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I got my son is 22 and he's a fighter, right? And mm. we we play around, we joke around, and I slap him and stuff. And he slaps me back sometimes because we joke. We're fighters. We we just different. You know what I'm saying? When he comes to jump on. We fight in the house. Just. Break out fighting, just just make him tougher, right? Mm. But he told me like, "Damn, Dad, you smack too hard." I'm like, "My bad." That's interesting. So you do that just hanging out around the house, or just yeah. kind of be whooping on each other? Yeah, my son, he's an alpha. I'm an alpha. You know, what I'm saying he 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 tested me before. Me and yeah. my son, we got in a real fight before. Maybe like when he was 20 years old, he um he sucker punched me. He 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 tested me one. What were you I, doing watching TV and he just pow? No, no, my son, <laughs> my son, he was having a problem. I was trying to get him to go do something, and he didn't want to go do it. And uh, out of all my kids, I got three boys. I got four kids. I got three boys. I knew this one was going to be the one that tested me. Mm. Uh, Cause um, the first person I ever knocked out was my dad. Really? Yeah. Now, was, what, how old were you? I was like, uh, I was probably like, uh, it was, when was it? This was right after college, was it? It was. Uh, I was probably like twenty, twenty-one. Okay. Twenty, twenty-two. And what did your dad have to do to push you to this point? Well, my dad. My dad used to be an alcoholic, and uh, I was working construction for um, one of my uncles. Uh, and um, my dad came up to my job and stuff, and he borrowed my truck while I was working. And uh, he left me at work. I was sitting out in the hot sun in the summertime, like two hours, three hours after after work, just waiting for my dad to come back. This, you know, we didn't have cell phones or nothing back mm. then. And uh, and he comes back. He's drunk. I'm like, man, you're not supposed to be driving drunk. 
and um, I had my hard hit. I was taking him, I was taking him home, and he kept like uh, um, threatening to hit me with with my hard hit. So I swerved one time. I thought was, I thought it was pretty dangerous, and I had a flashback when I was little. My dad decked me one time and f- swole my eye up. And I told him, I said, I was gonna, I said, I'm gonna pay you back for that. You know, I was in elementary school, but I was big and I was tough. And uh, you know, I wanted to fight my dad back then, but you know, so I was, I was too little. I told I was gonna pay him back. And then when he kept swinging that hard head at me, I almost crashed. I pulled over and I tried to pull him out. I said, No, you gotta walk home. You, you know, he's like, No, I ain't walking nowhere. So I went around the side and I, I, I regret this, but I went around the side and I tried to grab him out of the car and he grabbed my, my my neck and started choking me and, and I just I just flipped and I just it right in the car it was right it was where well, he was coming out of the, he was pulling he was coming out of the car he was finna he was finna start attacking me and I and I, I hit him one punch and, and um, I lost my temper he dropped and I started stomping him then his voice in my head said this is your dad I'm like oh shit right and I was I was I, I don't know if I was gonna try to kill him or what. I don't know. But what do you do? You just wait for him to come back to life? Uh, I, 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 as soon as I snapped out of bed and I, I woke him up, and thank God I woke him up just in time. The police started driving by. Right. And then what? You lie to him about what happened so well, you don't yeah. have to accept it. <laughs> well, he, well, he did ask me. He said, he said, "What do you do to me? What do you do to me? What do you do to your dad?" Yeah. I'm like, I was like, "Damn, I knocked you out." You have a nice window to lie about it though, because no, it's like you really don't know what happened. No, I wanted his ass to know that I knocked him out so he don't try that shit again. Right, man, because he could have killed both of us. Yeah, and, you know, he, I didn't know he was going to hit me with that with that hard hat. Mm. That hard hat is hard. When you look back at that though, do you have a kind of a warm feeling inside, or does it feel like a dirty part of your life that you actually? Knock your dad out. Well, it's it's pro- it was it was there's nothing warm about it, but you know, uh, shortly after that he got sober. Mm. And he, you know, what I'm saying he found God, he found religion, and he got sober. And and you know, I like to think that that was part of his wake up. You know, saying he got drunk enough to where you know I knocked him out because if you really know me, you know I'm one of the nicest people on the planet. I don't I don't like to um, I don't like to fight. I don't like to to um, you know have to beat somebody up but you know i will if i have to right because i remember my whole childhood my dad was kind of whooping on me and then around like 16 or 17 was when i realized like oh when he tries to hit you you could just grab him by the wrist and just stop him like he's not as strong as you you can actually stop him from beating you up and then in my head too it was like well why don't you fuck him up one time so he never tries to hit you again but I never really had the heart to do it. Whenever he would like get pissed at me or whatever, I would just grab his wrist and just yell in his fucking face and stop him. And then, you know, now when I look back on it, my dad's like this frail old elderly man. I kind of wonder like what that would have done to our relationship if I had just actually taken it to another level and knocked him out one time. Although now that he's old as fuck, it's like, well, I guess I'm kind of glad that I didn't have to yeah. live through that. But maybe yeah. that would have like changed the relationship. Like maybe that would have kind of set things straight between us. Yeah. Or he would have become so fucking angry that maybe something really bad would happen. It, it I don't depends know. on it depends on what type of dad you have. My dad after that he straightened up. Me and him, it took us a while, and we we made up, and um, he never fucked with me again. Mm. But you know, I was already grown at this point. And, you know, it was something that. Um, Honestly, it was something that I, was, I had been thinking about doing since I was little because uh, the reason the reason why he hit me in my face when I was a kid it was it was nothing like it. my mom had a problem with me. I didn't have a good relationship with my mom, and, and him and my mom was recently divorced. And he came over and she, you know, whatever, told him to whoop me or whatever. And he he decided to hit me in the face, and I was like, I'm like, man, you was wrong for that. You know, what I'm saying you don't even know what the story was. Mm. And he was like, yeah, I was just um, trying to. Show out for your mom, and it made it worse. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I, I wasn't really liking my mom back then in those days, mm-hmm. and so I I never I never forgot that. I'm, I'm the type of person I can hold a grudge, but 
you know, it's still, still, I, I like to justify me hitting him because, because um, he was, he, I thought he was going to hurt us. I mean, it's the kind of thing where if some random dude talks shit to you on the street and you knock him out, you might feel kind of bad about it. Maybe you like feel like you overreacted or whatever, <clears throat> but ultimately, fuck him. He was, he was fucking with you. Was, you can't really feel that bad about it. I, I really wouldn't feel bad about it. I would just feel like you took a stupid risk because you might get arrested over right, this. Right. But then when it comes to your dad, it's like there's just this inherent thing about it. We, this is like the number one person on earth that you're not supposed to fucking right, hit, right? Right. right. Number it one happens. man, at least. It happens, though. But you're, you're right, you're right, though. There's but. part of it that's like setting the universe straight, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm the big, strong dude now. Like, why the fuck are you still playing with me? The right. tables have turned, my friend. Right. You're right, but I would never hit somebody just for talking shit to me though mm. at I, this point in your life yeah no that, that'd be dumb as fuck mm. the question is just how far it can go it's it could be scary like if i if if say if i'm not with my friends and somebody try to uh, hurt me or my friends then uh if i'm there if somebody really trying to hurt us help that guy because i'm i'm a, i'm gonna I'm I'm go off so if i tell my friends if somebody fuck with us and he try to hurt you or me Help him, cause I'm gonna try to kill him. Right. And I just can't. If it, if I lose my temper, I just can't control it. Yeah. You know, it's like self defense. You know, I'm, I'm gonna try to kill him. If it's like self defense, I'm gonna try to kill him. So did, help that guy, please. Did you see Meek Mill getting into it in the in the crowd uh, during the boxing match last weekend? No, no, I didn't see that. It was a big old thing where I don't even know exactly what he was arguing about, but he was arguing about sports with a couple different people in the audience, and I don't think it really like got to like a full blown fight, but it was really fucking close. And it was kind of wild to be like, damn, like somebody like Meek Mill who's got millions of dollars, he's doing great in his life, et cetera, could really get pushed to fighting somebody in the fucking crowd just from some – he said they were just talking about sports or just talking about the boxing match or some <laughs> shit, which is like – it's kind of hard for me to imagine getting to that point at this point in my life. Yeah, I don't understand that. That's Meek Mill. You know, you famous and rich as fuck. You should have, like, security going to even, you know, boxing – matches and stuff with you just pay for the ticket mm. you got that much money fuck it, it's worth it now you right. can, now you can get sued right but were you rolling around with security at any point in your life or you don't feel the need to ever really do that no i have i have used security when i go to certain places but mostly the security is just so um like times when i don't want to be bothered like taking pictures and stuff like that right. like a couple times i've been to strip clubs where, where i experienced like i don't know why but i don't know why guys want pictures of me when i'm in a strip club when there's bunch of naked chicks around mm. but it's it been a couple of times where like you know i'm out celebrating with a friend a birthday i'm like i don't want to be uh bothered for pictures today so i brought security not not for like people bothering me because i'm cool i get along with a lot of people mm. but some days i just don't want pictures yeah definitely because i was at the porn convention this past weekend and it occurred to me that like the security i need in that environment is way different than when i'm backstage at like a big rap festival because at a rap festival I have security because it's a very real possibility that some rapper or one of his friends is going to want to walk up and punch me in the face. Why? Uh, just talking shit, oh. you know. But then at the porn convention, it's like the, the security is not anywhere near as big, and they're basically just there to make sure that the dudes don't get too creepy with the girls slash that there aren't too many dudes, like, running all around me trying to take selfies. If I want to get out of that situation, that I'm able to sort of, like, have some control over it, you know? Yeah. And I was seeing how different it was when the security wasn't around for like 10 minutes and the way that the dudes were getting too close to the girl and shit. You know, like when you have those dudes, it definitely changes the the feel. Yeah, I was wondering why why you would need security at a um, porn convention. I was thinking, oh, is he worried about girls going up trying to rape him or some shit? Well, some of the trans performers. Oh, I've read. I had a trans woman 
right up in my face, taller than me, and just say, I want you to suck my dick on camera. And I was just like, uh-huh. <laughs> I, was like, I had to really check myself because I'm like, you're on camera. You're making a TikTok. You got to go with the flow. You got to just act like this is all good. It's, it's funny. You're not weirded out, whatever. So I, I just tried to roll with it. But I was like... <laughs> In this moment, I'm kind of glad that I have security because this person might really be able to make me suck that dick. <laughs> was was she big? Yeah. Like muscular too? Might fuck you up too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it would, it, it would not have been a walk in the park. <laughs> For real? Man, that's, I ain't never had nothing like that happen to me. Yeah, I saw a lot of things last weekend that I never seen before. Oh, I don't know. How, I don't know how. What did you do? What you, what you say? What you say? Maybe later. I, I honestly can't even remember what I said, but you, I was like, oh, I, I, I said something. I don't know. I bet he said maybe later. <laughs> I have to consult the tape to see exactly what was said, but I definitely didn't know what to say because there's a few things like we had a fight on here. I actually showed it to you when we were at uh, Brendan Schaub's spot. Where? Oh yeah. So we had one one guest who basically called another host on the podcast he kept calling him a bitch and he just jumped out of the seat and just started pounding on him because in his world he said he's like there's just no possible scenario in which i can let somebody call me a bitch on camera and not react that way right right comes from like a culture that's very prideful and i understand that right but sometimes you just gotta um i understand because in my culture another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And my coach is it's the same. Right. It's the same. You can't call another man a bitch. And, and that's why you, MMA is hip-hop, but yeah. in a sporting context. Yeah, but even before <laughs> I became an MMA fighter, I'm from Memphis. Right. You just can't call another man a bitch. Yeah. You just can't. There's something you can't do without, you know, consequences. But now, a motherfucker can call me a bitch. Mm. I'm, like, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm a bitch. All right. I, I let him. Because you just feel like you have nothing to prove? I got nothing to prove now. Mm. I got nothing to prove because I know that I could kill that motherfucker. I, right. know I, can, I know I can hurt him. And like, and like, who's the bitch here? Or at the very least, you break his jaw, and then you've got to deal with getting arrested, and he's gonna sue you. Right. And it's like you, you might be out like a hundred grand or some shit if right. you if you break this guy's jaw. Right. It ain't worth it. And at this point in your life, I mean, you do not have anything to gain from knocking out some guy at McDonald's. It's just the, right. the TMZ article is gonna make you look like a psycho. It's not gonna be like, oh, Rampage is a hard ass. Right. Then I could get canceled, and be hard for me to get you know little, the little, little B movie roles I be getting and stuff like that. You know. It ain't worth it. Mm, definitely. So, okay, let me ask you this. When I look at how you uh, sort of finished your uh, fighting career by, like, 
2019 was your last fight, right? Yeah. A lot of these MMA fighters, when you go to look at their Wikipedia article, it's like all green in the beginning, and then it starts being more and more pink or red or whatever. It's more and more losses. Yours is not really like you had a few losses sprinkled in there at the end, but it's not like you just got these like five devastating knockouts in a row that make it obvious that you should just hang it up. And then you ha- and you had this weird little arc where you did one UFC fight and then went back to Bellator. How do you feel about how you kind of left the game? Since you're obviously like you're still down to fight and stuff, but you're at a very different stage in your career now. My career has been crazy because I started off um, fighting in Pride and in, right. in, in UFC uh, before the UFC paid for mm-hmm. him. I brought him, and Pride was the biggest organization in the world. And um, and you're like the number one people person when people talk about how good Pride was, they're like fucking rampage. And, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Then I went to the then I went to the UFC. The UFC. I'm I'm gonna keep it real. Dana White kind of like zapped the love for the sport out of me. Mm. You know, a couple things. You know, we just didn't see eye to eye. And then I left the UFC when they took my Reebok deal. That was they was that was it. Okay. That was they was sponsoring Reebok was supposed to sponsor me first, and the UFC. Took it and didn't share anything with me, so I'm like, man, I'm I'm leaving. And when I had my last fight in the UFC, you know, I, I lost that fight, and the UFC painted a narrative like I was retiring. Mm. And then and then normally they they when you when you've had so many fights, when you reach a certain level in the UFC, even if you lose that, you know, they interview you after the, the after the fight, like what happened, blah blah blah. They didn't interview me, so they they painted a narrative like I retired. So a lot of the uh, UFC fans thought I retired, and a lot of the UFC fans wasn't watching Bellator. Mm. And I went over to Bellator, and I was doing pretty good in Bellator. And this is before social media is huge, so you're not as able to, like, get the message out to your fans that you're still doing your thing. Yeah, so I've been – I was fighting in Bellator for years, and fans would still walk up to me and be like, I so hate that you retired. I'm like, man, I just fought two weeks ago. Mm. And they're like, where? I'm like, in Bellator. And they they didn't know. And so my my career has been – at the end of it has been kind of weird, but – um. Um, you know, I want to come back and do a few more fights. I want to do at least one boxing match before I get too old and I can't fight anymore because mm. um, boxing is getting more popular now. And I, I just want to, I, I always want to try. I've done wrestling matches, I've done jujitsu matches, and kickboxing matches, but I haven't done boxing. Mm. You know, that would be all the arts that I know. Yeah, when you look back at it, though, it, it must be kind of weird, though, because now somebody gets into MMA and what they're going to be doing with their career is so much more solidified, whereas throughout your career, you're kind of bouncing around between different divi- different uh, organizations and stuff like that. Do, do you Are you envious of the new generation that sort of like has a much more clear career path laid out for them in comparison to you sort of figuring shit out on the fly? Bro, you have no idea. Um, the sport is growing so fast and people like Conor McGregor make a hundred million dollars and stuff like that you know i would have loved that and but um i'm working with this new organization called ufl united fight league mm. and 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 this guy harrison rogers he's like a big fan of mma he was training mma and stuff and then he just decided to go into doing business right so he he opened up his own business and got real successful so now that he's very successful in his and been he, he said i want to start my own league and he's giving fighters um health insurance life insurance and staking the company. I was like, what? That's never heard of. And he's starting where, you know, I said I could get my own team and I could name my team whatever I want to name them. And I got like three guys in each weight classes. It's kind of like a, a wrestling match where, you know, um, you got to have like so many, you get so many points for a knockout, tap out, submission, I mean, uh, decision. So you got to, so your team got to, got to uh, score so many points to win at the end of the, end of the night. Really? Yeah. And I was like, wow, that, that can make it very interesting because, uh, Say, say you know, it's really close. 
and your last fight, you need a knockout. You and, and the pressure's on that guy, and you and the people from the team. You got well, hey, this guy needs a knockout to win. If, or if he wins by, if he if he wins by um, decision or, or, or submission, he still can lose. The whole team still can lose. Because that's the weird thing about MMA is that the fighters, when they go out there to fight, they're by themselves. I mean, they have yeah. their corner or whatever. But then we all know that in reality, the way they train is more like a team type setting. But then by the time they actually are fighting the UFC or whatever, you don't really see the team right. until the, the speech afterwards where they thank all their coaches or right. whatever. So that is interesting. And that I've always heard somebody said this to me a long time ago. MMA will never be as big as like traditional sports because you'll never have a fighter who's as big as the entire like national identity of an area, like the Celtics, the 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 Lakers. You know, it's yeah. like the 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 team changes out fully every five, ten years, whatever. There's no players that were on the team before, but every person from Los Angeles kind of feels like they relate to the Lakers. Right. Whereas it's very, very hard. And when you look at the biggest UFC fighters, you look at Conor McGregor, like he speaks for an entire fucking country or like, right. you know, a lot of people find him charming for other reasons or whatever. But that idea that you're saying right there of like a team, maybe that could kind of make people relate to the fighters yeah, more, especially the people that's in that area. Like my team going to be represented by Orange County because that's where I live. Mm. I would love for it to be like the Memphis, or whatever, but I don't live in Memphis. And we're mostly trained in Orange County. But yeah, I'm envious of these guys because this this like um, this level right now is right at the right at the amateur, you know, the next level right at the amateur. So it's not like on the UFC level or Bellator level. It's like the purses is like right when you first leave amateur fights, mm. and then so. But but at that level to have life insurance and health insurance yeah. and and stake in the company, I I think that that's um, something I wish was around when I was coming up. Right. So yeah, I'm envious of of all these guys. That these guys are like, uh, big big sponsors are 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 looking into the sports. Now it wasn't like that when I was you know coming up. So. Do you think the UFC's got a significant amount of pressure on them to pay fighters more and stuff. It feels like it keeps becoming more and more of a conversation taking part place publicly. Yeah, that's that's what that's what um, uh, looks like it's heading towards because um, Jake Paul he just signed with PFL. Or something. I saw that. Yeah, and and he's all about um, raising fighter purses and stuff. So after a while, the the UFC they're going. It's the big it's the big show right now. Mm. It's the biggest you know where you can earn the most money that has the biggest platform. But these other companies keep um, stepping their game up and. UFC will have to step that game up. It's kind of wild just as an outsider because I like, you know, it's been a long time. It's been like 10 years, but I remember seeing Strike Force get big and then all or relatively big and then UFC buys it. And then like I'm learning about it and I'm like, oh, so a couple of years before that, Pride was popping off. The UFC bought that. The question is, is like, can they just continue to buy their competition forever? Yeah, I, I thought they had um, somebody who, who would who would stop them. Maybe the FBI or something. I can't remember. Told them that. They was trying to monopolize because that's what they do to software companies and shit. Is that there? There's always pressure on like Microsoft can't just buy all their competitors up right. because it creates an anti-competitive environment. Right. So they, I heard they, they somebody got on them about that. But the reason why they bought Pride is because Pride lost their um, TV rights in Japan. Right. Mm. The Pride had the Pride had some dealings with Yakuza over there, right. and then they lost the um, Fuji TV. And if you lose Fuji TV in Japan, it's it's like. If you're doing any type of sports, it's like it's like killing your own company, right? So, so the UFC got lucky with that one, and they then they then they bought bought Pride, and then they actually brought. Um, I, after I left Pride, I went to um, another company. What was the name of it? Um, I can't even remember the name of this damn company because I was trying to stay away from the UFC because Tito was champion. I was and I'm friends with Tito, and I was helping him 
train at the time. So they brought they brought the company just for my contract because mm. um, they wanted me to fight Chuck Liddell because I was the last one that he he um, was trying to revenge his loss to. Right. Yeah, and they and they they kept buying up companies in there, and I heard the FBI somebody told them to stop. Really? Yeah. Interesting. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Hey, can I ask you about Memphis a little bit? Yeah. What? Uh, okay, so first off, what music did you grow up listening to as a young kid growing up in Memphis? Because we learned so much about all these like classic groups from out of there, but I'm wondering how tapped in you were to that. Yeah, mostly um, Three Six Mafia, and you know. All those guys, Project Pack, uh, DJ Paul. Did you ever meet Gangsta Boo? I don't think I ever met Gangsta Boo. Okay, rest um, in peace, man. Yeah, rest in peace. I don't think I, I don't think I ever met her. I grew up listening to her as well, but I, I don't think I probably was like um, in the same place where she was or something before mm. before I moved out here. But I, don't, I I never met her. Probably. So you ever tap in with the three six guys though? Yeah, yeah. Um, me and DJ Paul, we cool, and I, I see him every now and then. And um, he's up in he's here in LA. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he's, I've been around him a bunch of times over the years. Yeah, he's cool people, huh? Yeah, good guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. Great dude. Juicy J's a great guy, Yeah, too. Juicy J is cool. Yeah, definitely. Because, like, I mean, we've had this conversation, uh, we had this conversation on that fight companion, but do you think that Memphis has a kind of dark energy about it? Yeah, I think, I think. Um, see, I don't live there anymore, but. Um, you still go back from time to time? I, go, I go back from time to time. My, all my family's there, but. Okay. From what, from what I heard, like, after, what, what was that, Hurricane, Hurricane Katrina? Mm-hmm. A lot of people from Louisiana um, moved there, and and the crime went up and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and and it's gotten worse over the years. Because when I was in uh, Nashville, people were kind of warning. I was like, I want to go to Memphis. I want to see what it's like out there. And some people were like, Oh man, Memphis is crazy. You want to go out there? It's a dark place. Like, yeah. Dark, really? Yeah, I think you just have to stay away from certain areas. Right. That's 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 how I feel when I when I go there. I just um I just stay away from certain areas and I make sure that I you know I'm I'm in like a normal car and I don't wear too much bling and stuff like that. You mm. just gotta know how to walk. But like I said, I I moved away over 20 years ago and I just I talked to my cousins and stuff. My little brother they they keep me up to speed and stuff like that. But thank God all them they they've been cool. But they they say like yeah you ain't you ain't supposed to drive around no flashy cars. Mm. You don't you don't wear too much bling in certain places. You just you just you know lay low. You like jewelry though. Sometimes I get sometimes I like to I like to wear a little jewelry, but you know. To me, I feel like the additional stress that I would feel as a result of having like, you know, even ten or twenty grand my, around my wrist or my neck would just be I wouldn't like it. I don't feel like it would be worth it. I'm gonna be walking around feeling more uncomfortable as a result of that jewelry. Yeah, but you know, um I, I feel you, but sometimes if I if I'm going someplace where I know there's gonna be some some um Beautiful ladies, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I need all the help I can get. See, you're a good looking guy. See, I'm I'm yeah. I'm a roughneck. I, I need all the help I can get. You know what I'm saying? You know how certain ladies are they they can uh, certain women they can look at your watch and they can tell, like, oh, this dude got a little he got you know, there's a little something to him and then strike up conversations. I've noticed how, how different it is when I'm not wearing it and when mm. I am wearing it. But I feel what you're saying. See, I never had a nice watch, so I actually don't know what kind of effect that has on women. So yeah. maybe I'm missing out on something significant. Yeah, certain women they know, but those are, those are not the type of women that you try to get serious with. But I know you're already in a serious relationship. But I'm yeah. saying those are not the type of women that you try to get serious with. Those are like the fun women, the women that that can recognize what type of watch it is and what those not, those are fun women. Those are not the serious women. Right. I look at those women like like ninjas that I'm trying to avoid. Like <laughs> when I go to the club in Miami and I see these chicks who just have BBLs and they just stand around just looking at dudes and stuff. Like to me, those are like 
enemies. Like, I, I just assume you have the worst possible intentions for whatever, dude. I don't trust you. I wouldn't bring you back to my house. Yes, I would like to fuck you, but I am not going to or pursue that in any way because I believe that you are pure evil. Bro, I take it a step further. If a woman got BBL and big fake lips, I don't even want to fuck them. Really? No, I don't want shit to do with them. Wow. I, I just, for me, in my opinion, I just don't like the way it looks. But I'm an ass connoisseur. Mm. I, I like real ass. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It don't have to be a big ass. It just have to be shaped nice. You know, because you know, I like, I like, you know, I, I like to spend a lot of time in like a Japan and stuff like that. Girls are not known for big asses over there, mm. but some of those girls they have like nice ass. You know, oh, yeah, because you have an Asian fetish, right? No, I don't have an Asian <laughs> fetish. Don't, don't put the evil on me, Ricky. <laughs> don't put the evil on me, Ricky. But see, look, fetish might be a, a nah, too much. Yeah, because because uh, I, I know I asked a girl like, "Oh, show me your feet." She said, "Oh, do you have a foot fetish?" No, I just like feet. Right. No, but um. For a long time, I can honestly say that Asian girls were my favorite, my favorite preference because I've met a few Asian girls that treated me really good. Mm. You know, they they just have a different uh, culture. Now, are we talking Asian girls from Asia or ones who are born in America? Well, I, I, both. Okay. I, I, I used to be married to a Japanese woman that was straight from Japan. Right. And and I married her uh, for a few reasons, but the main reason was I was like, I'm never going to meet another woman this good mm. that treat me like this. I come home from the gym. Bath water ready. She put me in there. She washes me, dries me off, put my clothes on. And my food is ready. I'm sitting in front of TV eating Sounds food. like a masseuse. Dude. <laughs> she just catered to me, and, and, and I didn't have to ask her. That's the way she was, right? right. And that, that made me, like, go after more Asian women, right? And some, all of them not like that. Mm. But the ones that uh, are very cultured and, and from other countries, yeah, like Thailand and Japan and, and the Philippines and different, they, they are more like that. But now, you know... Um, I haven't dated an Asian woman in a long time. Right. Yeah. Well, did, you, did you have to like intentionally get off the wagon, or did it just sort of play out that I, way? I just stopped. I just stopped pursuing it because, um, you know, now like, uh, you know, Asian women are like it seems like it's a hot commodity, and <laughs> seems like everybody want them in their heads. Like, the heads. The are Asian like, women are big headed now. Yeah, they, they, a <laughs> lot of a lot of their heads are inflated. You know, so it's like, ah, uh, you know, it's like whatever, and. And you know, the whole dating scene has changed, man. I'm telling you, um, Instagram and OnlyFans changed everything. Right, it changed everything for like the regular dating scene. I believe it. Yeah, because uh, if you if you really want to get serious up about a girl, you don't know if you, that's going to be the girl that pressures you into marrying her. You know what I'm saying? You don't you don't know if that's the girl you're going to end up with. And like, and then all your friends are seeing her, you know, put dildos in her asshole. Like, you want to be able to handle that. No, I don't think I don't think I don't think I don't I don't think I would. Right. Well, I'm in the porn world, and I I don't know. Yeah, it, it would it would be there would be a weird decision. Yeah, it, it don't bother you. It don't bother you. Well, to be honest, like I met my girl, and she was a normal girl who had never been naked on the internet. But at first, I'm just dating her, not even dating. I'm just fucking her, and like we're just hanging out for the first couple months. And she starts like OnlyFans during that time period, and I'm cool with it. Yeah, like be naked on there or whatever. And then we start to get more serious, but I wasn't bothered by the idea of her being naked on there and then all of a sudden she wants to fuck me for her only fans and i'm kind of just rolling with it and uh yeah so i i, I kind of got like eased into it whereas i feel like if i was like a totally normal dude but to be honest i dated a bunch of porn stars before her but i didn't really take them serious right. so they were like really grimy like really nasty 10 guy blow bangs on camera and Dang. shit but i wasn't taking them serious enough to give a fuck right yeah so that's kind of different too I don't know. so 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 uh Tell me this: How would you feel if, um, like, one of your friends you knew one of your friends beat off to your girlfriend? 
That's cool. <laughs> it's kind of weird if he tells me. Yeah, but it doesn't weird me out that it might be oh, true. Oh, but if he tells you, that's when it's like too much. I mean, yeah, we're sitting there on the <laughs> podcast, and he's like, guess what I did last <laughs> night? <laughs> I'm going to be like, what? Like, why are you telling me this? This is a strange situation. Uh, but well, Yeah, like, if you beat off to my girlfriend having sex, then that means you beat off to me too, bro. <laughs> yeah. No, but I like guys think that girls won't like that. But when I was at the porn convention, like girls love it when guys come up and say, I beat off to you all the time, whatever. Like, to they that, love that shit. I mean, they're porn stars, but yeah, they don't mind that. What's the, what's the mind of a porn star like those girls? What, what do you think? Why, why do you think that you think they're like nymphos and they just like. I think there's some percentage of them that really just love sex like so much that they kind of almost have to get into this line of work. But I feel like a lot of the girls are kind of like MMA fighters where they're basically just. Wherever the money's at, that's what they're doing, you know? Like, yeah. I don't want to get punched in the face by Rampage, but if somebody's going to pay me 50 grand to do it, I'm going to do it. You know, some of these girls, they don't want to have two dicks in their ass, but if there's a good amount of money on the line, that's what they're doing. So it's kind of all over the place, though, because I do know some girls who I'm convinced. Like, I know I know this girl, Kazumi, is an Asian girl, actually, I would love to introduce you to. You probably have a great time with her. But uh, she before we... Uh, but before she started coming on this podcast and stuff, she would regularly do like fifty guy gangbangs at parties for free. I guess, yeah. Maybe they get her an Uber or something. Shut the fuck, fuck up. I know, and she's super hot, so it's kind of hard to wrap your head around why she would decide to do this. But I know it's real because, like, the guy who washes my car was like, "Oh yeah, I was in a gangbang one time with her." You know what? I I go to a. Um... Well, you'd love her. I no, gotta no, introduce you. No, not, not my type at all. <laughs> I, I go, I go to a, a coffee shop, a Vietnamese coffee shop, and one of the girls is, is very attractive, very nice. You never think that, but she, she told me that um, she likes to get um, gang bang, like um, but she likes to get DP'd and whatever. Like, I think like two or three guys the most, and mm. uh, and she like to get like tied up. I was like, I was like, why is she telling me this shit? And then she wants you to get in there. I, I don't know. That's not my thing. And then, I, but. I didn't believe her. I thought, oh, you just fuck with me because it's like one of those coffee shops where girls half naked. Sometimes they be naked. They That's what I was thinking. The Vietnamese coffee shops are like prostitute prostitute places well, at the time, right? No, I don't. I, I never noticed in prostitutes, but maybe if you I, asked, maybe I, you I, might be able to figure something out. I maybe think. I, I just never. <laughs> I never go there for that. I just like to go and look. You know, I like to look and talk. Some of them cool, right? Right. But she, but she, um, but normally the girls sit down next to you and lie to you. So I thought she was lying until she showed me a picture. I'm like. Damn. Of her getting gangbanged? Well, she showed me. A, yeah, she showed me. A wow. She showed me. I'm like, wow. Like some girls, just weird like that. Like me, I, I, I would like to be with two or three women at the same time. So I would assume that most women would like that. So I asked certain girls, like, no, that's gross. I would never do that. So I guess it depends on the woman. But say you're on the road, you and a couple of your homies, and there's a beautiful woman waiting in the in the hotel lobby, and she says, "I want you four, take me upstairs, and I'll bang me right now." No, I pass. I, you're just, a little tempted. No, because I don't, I don't want to do nothing with other dudes in the room. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm weird like that. I feel it. At this point in my life, because I did that many times in my life. Not that exact <laughs> scenario, but we used to always be trying to gangbang chicks. And now when I think about it, it's like I would rather just do it myself maybe and just be on some cool shit. I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily want like the homie energy and the sex energy to combine. I, don't, yeah. I have no reason to do that. Yeah, because uh, what, um, what if something happens in – He's smashing and he shoots and then hits you in the chest or something shit like that. Like, 
Life I definitely don't want any of my friends to have that kind of momentum behind their load. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's too powerful, yeah, bro. That, yeah, that's like that, that's like life changing. Then you got a load on your chest, bro. From, yeah, uh, uh, from your friends. Like that's life changing. Right. Like, and the first thing that comes up to me too is like you got to have a camera in the corner or some shit because it's, it'd be way too easy for her to say, "Oh yeah, I didn't want to do it. They made me." Oh yeah, yeah. I you know, yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're and right. I feel like that scenario of it being multiple guys. Even if it was completely consensual to a, to a person who's reading about it in the news, or maybe to a cop or something, yeah. they might look at the situation and think, "Oh, this is why? Why would any woman want to do this? This is probably a rape or some shit." Like, yeah. I feel like you're almost making it too easy by in yeah. that situation. So, yeah. But then I think if you like set up a camera in your hotel room, I'm pretty sure that's illegal too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're you kind of fucked either way. You, yeah, you gotta have that consent. Maybe you gotta get her to. Well, uh, that's a great idea. You yeah, gotta get her to write something. But I'm gonna tell you, I only did it one time. In college, one when I was wrestling in college, one of my teammates, he was a heavyweight, he couldn't get girls. And um, it was hard in college for us to get girls anyway because the uh, it was a co-ed dorm, but it was with a female basketball team. Mm. And and all the girls was lesbian except for one. So that was the case even back then, huh? Yeah, it was, it was hard. Female NBA or female basketball players are usually gay. Yeah. When, <laughs> well, from, from my school. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't know that. Brittany Griner kind of made me start looking at the – WNBA teams and thinking like, all right, so y'all eat pussy, all right. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, uh, Brittany, she's not gay. She's not. No, I'm pretty sure she is. She likes she likes women. Pretty sure she dates women. Yeah, if she dates women. She's not gay. So like I was saying, you you'll figure that out later. One, hmm. like I was saying, my teammate, he was a heavyweight. He couldn't get girls, and I had this one girl that would do anything for me and she i remember she didn't have a car yet so she used to ride her bike up to the school and it was like a steep hill we used to always make fun of it her name was uh, amanda we call her amanda hug and kiss <laughs> and uh my my he was like my best friend he he, uh, he was like man you gotta help me out i ain't had nothing in a while blah 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 so i told her i said hey you gotta you gotta smash my 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 roommate he he needs some and she was like no i don't want to i said well you know can you do it for me she said only if you're there too and that's so that's I tried it one time. I was like split rows. I was getting head while he was smashed from the back. I didn't like it. Yeah. I never done it again. I'm like, cause oh, I gotta close my eyes the whole time. Or I gotta watch this big heavyweight like smashing this chick that I like. I didn't. I didn't like that. It yeah, because all the times I did it in my life, it makes me wonder. Like, did I like it, or was I just so? Hard up for pussy that anything seemed good, and I was willing to deal with looking my homie in the eye during it. <laughs> doing the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't, I don't. I, it's just not my thing. I'm, I'm very weird when it comes to all this. Stuff. But I do like two. I like, I like two women. I wish I could marry two bisexual women. That'd be a perfect life for me. I would never cheat on either one of them. Right. It'd be the perfect life for me. You wouldn't. You don't think you get a little bit bored with it? No. No. If I got, if I got, if I got two, then no. See, back to the thing you're saying about Asian women. When I think about it, like, all right. So my girl's Armenian. So she grew up in this community where societally the way that they relate to each other is a little bit different and very early on i started to realize oh she loves to clean up after me she loves to cook for me she loves to take care of me and the first time that i ever brought her around my mom and my my, my girl went up to go get me a plate of food when the food got served or whatever i didn't even have to get up i didn't think about it she just brings me over a plate of food and my mom says to her like why are you doing that for him? Make him get up and get his own plate of food. Oh, yeah, so and I'm just thinking, look at what feminism has done to our society that my mom thinks that she's doing something wrong by loyally serving her, you know, what would go on to be her fiance. 
And I understand where my mom's coming from because she probably grew up in more of like a sexist environment where she was, she, she thinks that that's wrong. My girl, she likes that. That makes her feel good to be able to, you know, right. do things for me. Right. My mom did the same thing to my Japanese uh, <laughs> when I was married. And I, I had to tell my mom, I said, Mom, this is why I went to Japan to get me a wife. <laughs> don't why, ruin it. Yeah, don't ruin it. I said, that's why I didn't marry no black woman. You know what I'm saying? I told my, my mom got so mad when I said that, but I'm just keeping it real. Like, come on. Like, I asked my wife for a glass of water, and she was pregnant at the time, and she ran to the kitchen to get it and came back. And I, and my mom's like, why you got this girl running to the kitchen? I said, I didn't ask her to run. Mm. I just asked her for a water, but that's how they do it. That's, that's I don't know why they do it like that, but that's they hurry up and get you shit. When you ask her, I asked her really nice, hey, babe, can you get me a glass of water? And she just jogged to the kitchen. Right. I don't know why she did that. Yeah. And, and my mom was mad. And then from that second on, my mom was in her head. And, and by the time my mom left, my, my ex-wife was already acting like a black girl doing all this. <laughs> I was like, oh. All right, but so I got I to gotta hit you with this now, is that that is the stereotype about successful black men, is that they reach a certain degree of success, and then they, you know, go find a white woman or an Asian woman or whatever, and they don't want to create a family with black women. And then there's a lot of people in the culture now who look at that, and they're all about just encouraging uh, black people to date each other and stick together and not date outside of their race because they think that, you know, you need to create strong black families you think like how do how do you feel about that? Well, I think that um, black people, you know, most black men, we we are we are if we're gonna date or marry outside your race, you already was interested in women outside your race. It's not that you, oh, now I got successful, now I gotta go get me a white girl. They probably was already dating white girls and Asian girls and Mexican girls before they got super uh, successful and and. And do any guy really, really want to get married? I think what it is, you you find a good girl that you love and you really love, and then she's the one who, like, mo most of the times, like, um, pressures you into getting married. Like, it's some guys that are looking for marriage and want to start a family and stuff like that. But I think that it's, it's a negative thing that black women, it's a negative narrative that black women say, oh, once he got successful, he went and found him a white girl and stuff like that. Most likely, that guy was already dating outside his race. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I know, a, I know a lot of a lot of my family members never dated outside their race, and and so they ask me like uh, they ask me questions and stuff like that. And I think if they got super successful and they got um, rich, or if they played ball or if they became very successful and as an athlete, they would still marry a black woman because they 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 haven't been. A, around or had access or been attracted to women outside of their race. It's weird because if I were to put myself in the shoes of that conversation, it seems like unbelievably racist wow. and fucked up because I would have dated a black woman without a second thought instead of my girl. Like if, if my girl happened to be black and I met her, I would never have even thought about it. You know, I w it would never have occurred to me that like I should be concerned about the race of the person I'm dating. And I do not give, like if I meet a white woman tomorrow, say I was single, I don't give her any points for being white. Exactly. exactly. Maybe I would assume that there is some degree of shared experiences or like shit that we've been through. Maybe if not even from being white, but like say we grew up in a similar place or whatever, right. I could think, okay, you're white, so maybe we have a little bit more in common. But I'm not like in favor of that. Like that right. would never occur to me. Right. My my thing is your person or your soulmate or the person you fall in love with might not be your race. Right. And I, I think America it should just come up off all that race shit. You know. It's, 2023, it's too late in the game. Like we are Americans, we we all mixed up. Mm. Come off the race shit. Well, sometimes it feels like the old goal was for race to not matter, 
and now the goal is for it to matter so much that you almost can't have a conversation without bringing it into the conversation, right? Yeah, yeah, and and I think a lot of people are scared, are scared to be called a racist these days. And that, and that goes that's going on in England as well, because you know my my I got a lot of friends over there. My boxing coaches is, is British, and telling me the same thing. It's like uh, they're making they make they putting us against each other, mm. and you know you, you got to be careful what you say. You might sound racist, You're like it's just I'm just sick of it, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, because I feel like if you're not racist, you should be able to say whatever the fuck you want, joke about whatever you want. That's what we all did, you know, a couple of years ago. Now the world's sensitive. Because you're sitting next to a cowboy when we did that that fight companion. Yeah. And he, uh, I'm not going to say he's like a full-on racist or anything, but he definitely says a lot of shit that comes across as a little spicy in this day and age. He had one quote when we were on that thing where he just goes, he goes, listen, I like all different types of ice cream, but I always end up with vanilla. <laughs> and I, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, if I was a more easily offended person, I could easily take that sentence to mean that he's fucking racist. But I understand what he was saying. He's saying yeah. that he would fuck a, a woman of any race realistically, yeah. but he usually ends up dating white women. I gave yeah. him the benefit of the doubt. But then when, I, when I'm reading about cowboy and stuff, he's got a lot of shit for saying some uh, edgy racist stuff over the years. But would you consider him like your real friend or do you yeah. feel like there's a real gap between you over the race thing? I, I'm going to tell you, I, I don't see cow, Cowboy as, as um, being racist. Okay, I'm, let me try to explain this the, the best way. Same thing about Donald Trump. People think Donald Trump racist. Okay. Let me, let me try to explain this the best way I can. Give me a second. So uh, just because somebody say some fucked up shit about another race, don't really mean they're racist. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like say, because um, I've I've heard I've heard my I've heard my my dad um, I heard, I've heard my dad called white people cracker before when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and we we didn't grow up with that racist stuff because we're we're mixed. Like my grandparents and stuff is mixed, so we was we we was taught a little bit different. And um, and I, I don't assume that he's a racist because he's called people cracker before, right? So well, like who the fuck cares? It's just yeah. a it's just a word, right? He 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 um. A lot of people don't know what word cracker mean though, but he he some white person cut him off and, and, and threw a finger sign. He said, Fuck you, cracker, blah, blah, blah. And I got on my desk. I said, why you why you calling that man why you call that man a cracker? He blah blah blah. You, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he he told me, son, he was like, son, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you get mad and you just say stuff. He said, That don't mean that I, I hate all white people, but I'm mad at that white guy right there. Right. I, I would say, Well then don't call him a cracker. Just call him, dude. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. But then, but if you get in an argument with a fat guy, you're gonna call him a fat fuck. Damn right. And you don't hate fat people. I don't hate fat people at all. <laughs> it's, just, it's just you're fat. I'm so, trying to hurt your feelings a right, little bigger. Right. Right. So I, I believe that's what a lot of people. That's why a lot of people are. I think that maybe cowboy probably would say some some stuff. But is cowboy racist? No, because the interactions that I have with him, stuff like that. I'm from the south. I I know racist people. Mm. You know, what I'm saying I don't. I wouldn't put um, cowboy in the racist category like like Donald Trump. I wouldn't put him in in a racist category. I don't think Donald Trump is racist. A lot of people try to paint him as a racist and I, and so I started looking at him and I started paying attention to what 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 he was doing. I'm like, no, I don't think Donald Trump is I'm not a, Don- a Donald Trump fan, but I think that the evidence for Donald Trump being like a white supremacist is pretty bad. You know, the, they always point to this one thing you said about, oh, the, the Mexicans, they're bringing rapists and murderers or whatever. It's like, I, I feel like it's pretty obvious that they're trying to make that sentence seem more offensive than it was. Right. Because he's not a great public speaker. Right? Right, I guess right. maybe he's a great public speaker, but he doesn't like speak in a scientific manner. Right. I think it was pretty obvious he was trying to say like. He's not a politician. Yeah. So he don't he don't have that media training like a lot of politicians do. And, and when they was trying to say when he called it the Chinese virus, like. He was he was correct. People called mm. viruses where they come from, but 
like I was just saying, like I think it's a fine line that people need to understand. Like just because somebody say something about a certain race, don't really mean that they're racist. No, but they could be racist. They could, but it's also you know they probably just just it's just a, they're just the way they they brought up. And they just they don't they probably don't think about. It. They probably don't hate all black people. But if a black person do something wrong in front of them, they probably going to say some fucked up shit. Mm. And you know, a lot of a lot of people are are guilty of it. Me. I, I don't I don't use like um word cracker and hunky I don't but but if somebody is a cracker I have to tell them but a cracker is is a racist white person mm. a cracker is back in the slavery day was the was the one who used to whip the slaves used to crack right. the the whip so that's what a that's what a cracker is a cracker is not a saltine cracker nothing like it got nothing to do with no saltine nothing like that a cracker is a racist white person that used to whip the slaves but okay if me and you became really good friends and we talked on the phone a couple times a week and we hung out and shit like that. At some point, if you started like calling me a cracker, just fucking around as a joke, whatever, I would, I would not care at all. But there's nothing that would ever make me call you the N-word. No matter, <laughs> no matter how much of a joke it was, no matter how much we joked around about yeah. race, that's just a big, big line in the sand but that I'm not, never going to cross. But I'm going to tell you, this is, how, this is how I feel about it. I think that's not fair. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I think it's not fair. If if a black guy can call a white person a cracker and, and they friends, the, the the white person should be able to call the black guy's nigga. Cause I, I take the power out of that word. I don't give a fuck about that word. Mm. You know, even if even if a um a racist guy called me a nigger, which I get called that all the time. I used to stream on Twitch and you play video games. If you're a gamer, you're a black guy, you get called nigger a lot. Mm. Man, it, that word has no power over me because I don't I don't give a fuck if cause if black people was mad about that word, we wouldn't be rapping it all the goddamn time. You know what I'm saying? But it's just how how America how America is. But I, I don't call I don't call my friends crackers. I don't I don't call them hunkies. I just I just choose not to. Are most of your friends black, or do you have a, a mixed group of your closest associates? I have I have I have the rainbow. Like my closest my closest friends um, to me are, are all different. All di- I don't I don't um, I don't judge based off people like race and stuff like that. But I live in Orange County where there's not a lot of black people in the first place. Right. But the gym I train at, it's, it's a lot of black people. I have really close black friends. I have, one of my best friends is white and my, my, my one of my best friends, like my brother now, he's an Asian guy, a little short Asian guy. And you know, my other best friend is my, my coach, Antonio McKee. He's black. Like, you know, it don't matter to me. It's all about how you treat me and how you treat others around you. Because, mm. cause you know, I don't care. I, I I know now 100% that I'm not racist because I got I have a 16 year old daughter. When you have when you have when you a man and you have a daughter, and your daughter brings home a white boyfriend, if you're a black guy and you don't give a fuck, that's when you know in your heart that you're not racist. Your daughter's full black. The the no. the, the mom's Asian. Yeah, she's she's half Japanese. Wow. So yeah. how, how's your kids? Look, because I noticed that like black and Asian people get a lot of the attention in our culture for yeah. being very interesting looking. Yeah, my my, my son, he looks kind of like Tiger Woods. Okay, <laughs> but my daughter, my daughter is very beautiful. She looks like uh, she looks like she could be Hawaiian. Because oh. like I said, I, I have mixed blood, so so they didn't come out uh, really dark, and so um, you know she uh, she's she's very beautiful. A lot of people say she looks like a model. When you say when you say that you're. Uh... Your daughter was able to bring home a white guy, and you didn't feel anything. No, that's nothing at all. Do you, do you think that's because you've lived like a pretty dope life, where you've gotten to travel all over the world, you've gotten to meet people from every different walk of life, you've got to, you know, even even just the fans. Let's not even talking about the girls and the fighters that you've been around and the media personalities. Even just the fans, you're consistently meeting people who love you, and you're seeing the best side of 
fans all the time anytime you go in public. Well, yeah, and I meet a lot of people all over the world. And I know there's good people in certain race and bad people in certain race, right? But it's just also come with my spirituality, like my relationship with the Most High God, and my and like my grandmother. You know, growing up, my grandmother looked white, and all her brothers and sisters look white, right? So that that was our, and my friends down the street I played with their grandmother looks black, real black, and I was and I was confused about that, and I learned that at a very young age that you know skin color don't matter. You know, what I'm saying my grandmother she was still black, but she was like she was in a day and age where she didn't have to drink from the black water fountain. She didn't have to sit in the back of the bus. You know, she could go to certain restaurants as long as she ate a, a talk talked a certain way, mm. and and we were just taught. We were just taught different. Our family just taught not to be racist, cause cause the family that owned our family was really nice. They wasn't they wasn't evil people, you know. They didn't they didn't beat my ancestors. They didn't they they treated them they treated them well, even though cause cause a lot of people don't understand how slavery was. It was like a class system, right? Mm. Like if you was rich, you know, saying in the South, you owned a bunch of slaves. Now how you treat your slaves was up to you. You know, some people treated their slaves like shit, and some people treated their slaves better, and so. Fortunately, my family, we we was we grew up and not to resent uh, white people and stuff like that, and we just treated people for how they treat us. You know, I'm from the South. There's a lot of racist people, and um, the, the racist people, yeah, fuck it, hate them. But the, the nice white people, we was cool. So, so carrying that on throughout my whole life, and that's how I always was. Like when I meet, when I first meet white people, I'm I am a little standoffish until I find out that they're cool. I'm like, oh, they're cool with black people. Then I'm cool with you. Mm-hmm. And it's just that's just how I am, and. And and I, you know you wonder sometimes, oh, am I a racist because, you know, say I'm, I don't open up to this white guy when I first meet him. But, but when my daughter brought home her, her first boyfriend, all I care was like, uh, does he treat you right? Right. That's all I care. I didn't care like, but her mom. <laughs> the mom was more concerned. The mom was racist <laughs> against the white guy. Yeah, she. But she, you know, she even racist against black people. Right. I'm her first black. I'm her first black. You know, relationship. Well, I think you should be insanely paranoid about whoever your daughter's dating, no matter what. Yeah, you should. And that's, but but I've learned that you know I can't control it. It might not be a great thing in the long run because if your daughter feels like you're super on top of who she's dating, it might make her feel like fuck him. I'm not going to tell him what I'm getting into. I'm not going to introduce him to my boyfriends. I want to keep my whole dating life totally private from my parents. Right. Which is kind of that. That's the bad thing. Right. So I just try to be open. I tell them, look, anytime you get a new boyfriend, whatever, I got to meet him. I, I, you know, you just you got to be honest with me about everything. Mm. And I told her, if you be honest with me about everything, I won't embarrass you because you know, I'm good at embarrassing my kids. I said I got I got baby pictures of you in the tub, <laughs> saved up. I got right. all, all your dirty, shitty mess diapers. And I got all this shit yeah. saved up. See, okay, that I'm just gonna talk to you as a dad. That's something I think about sometimes because I got a two year old daughter. So I have many years to go before I have to really think about her bringing home a boyfriend or 15 anything. Fifteen years you got. Hopefully 15 years. 14, 15 years. 14, 15 years. But it's like, you know, I I could have a conversation with a young woman where I give her like infinite game on what you should be looking for in a guy, how a guy should treat you, what you need to be thinking about, et cetera. But it's like it's probably going to be too heavy to be dumping on a 16-year-old kid who's just figuring out how to like talk to somebody. I feel like that's got to be kind of overwhelming because you've got – many many decades worth of game that you could be telling your daughter or maybe it would be better to just kind of let her slowly figure out what life is like on her own i don't know yeah you're right you gotta give it to them a little bit of time because i've learned that my daughter is not going to even want to have um certain conversations with me mm. and she don't and she don't want to um take my advice like just the way your kids are when they, when they reach a certain age they think they're know-it-alls 
But uh, I try to give my daughter like a little bit at a time, and I, and I tell her like, look, if you got any questions, you can always come ask me because, uh, you know, I keep it real. But what I do is I don't lie to my daughter. I let her see how I am. If I'm if I'm talking to a couple of different women at, at one time, I let her know. I just see. I said, look, this, this is the way most guys are. Is that hard to explain to her? Yeah, because my daughter's a feminist. Mm. You know, she she she's got that feminist bug. She, you know, she don't understand. It. She don't understand. It. And I just tell her, like, look, this is this is the reality. Like some guys. I like that some guys don't believe in uh, monogamy until they're married, and some guys just, some guys just, um, you know, they play the field. And I, and I tell her like, if you don't want everybody knowing your business, make sure you don't do stuff with this guy. Because if you kiss this guy, everybody in the school is gonna know you kissed him. That's just this is the way. That's just the way guys are. But if you feel comfortable with everybody knowing that you kissed, you like this guy that much, you you, you know, you don't care if everybody know that you kissed him, then go ahead, kiss him. Right. Yeah, because that's a tricky thing because it's two different things to tell your kid how things are or how you think things should be. Yeah. Because in a perfect world, you'd be able to kiss however many boys you want and you'd be able to be free as a bird, experiment with whatever you want. The reality is is that you're judged by your choices in society and maybe society's not going to be as fair as you would like for them to be. Right, it's two right. very different things. Right, and I, and I, and I tell her, like, um, you know, life is about making mistakes, but, you know, you can't take you can't take them back. So if you go too far with with a, with one of these boys and you regret it, like too late, you can't take it back. So mm. you got to think twice about it before you you know what I'm saying you you do things you, before you make out. I can't use the word sex with her, you know, because because it's like she's too young. You don't want to be encouraging her right. to go that far with right. it. Yeah, and, she, and she'll cut that. If I say anything about sex, she'll cut that conversation off right away. Like I'm not having sex. Blah 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 blah. Say, I want you know she don't want to talk about sex with her dad. Yeah, and, you know it's it's just weird. But I brought this comic book for for, yeah, for, for, for your daughter because um, I started coloring with my daughter when she was around that age, and now she's an artist. Wow. And it got me back into coloring. Rampage Jackson's big brawl. Yeah, we have been doing some coloring. This is pretty nice. How, what, did someone approach you about this idea, or how did this come about? Well, I, I did a comic book with this with that, with that a couple of those guys uh, a couple of years ago, and I, I always wanted to be a superhero. And so I like coloring, so I told them, like, hey, let's do a coloring comic book. Well, you can read like what's going on, and you can color the pages yourself. And I said, "Yeah, let's do it." So, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. Oh, and there's a, oh, there's a a grand prize of tw ten million dollars. But this is in the comic book. Yeah, this isn't like yeah, I yeah. thought you were saying. Like whoever <laughs> no. does the best coloring gets no. ten million. No, no. I will have I will have a contest one day though to see who colors the best and stuff like that. Because, but I I, I still enjoy coloring because I got back into it with my daughter. Right. So I I like the coloring stuff. Now, just one day I was coloring. I said, "Man, I want." A coloring comic book. I'm getting back into drawing and even had me going to the art store and buying some really nice markers and stuff because I noticed that when I draw like a, a Pokemon or a Sesame Street character or whatever, if I do a really good job, she gets really excited. Yeah. And if I do a trash job, she like almost won't even look at it. <laughs> so now the pressure's really on when I draw Pikachu that I gotta actually make it look official. <laughs> That's crazy. Two years old already. Yeah, but and, and she can't verbalize it yet, but I could tell. <laughs> like she won't even recognize it if I do a bad job drawing it. Oh, for real? Yeah. Wow. Wow. She only try to make it, make you feel good. But oh, it's nice. She only, she well, she don't. She not have that many words yet. You know, you got that many words. There's only two. Two. She should be saying a bunch of stuff. She's bro. saying a bunch of stuff, but it's not like it's not she's a, not going to say, "Oh, that's a good drawing, daddy." Yeah, yeah, no, or that's no. a bad Pikachu, daddy. Uh, <laughs> that would be a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. What in terms of your life and where you're at right now? What What makes you feel the most content, the most fulfilled? Like, like. I, I feel like there's got to be kind of a weird path after being a professional athlete where for so many years, decades of your life, you were judging yourself on your wins. Yeah. And now 
that, you know, not that you're never going to fight again, but that's not as big a part of your life. Right. So how do, how do you derive happiness and meaning from life at this point? Well, I, my 22-year-old son is fighting. He's he's amateur. He's undefeated. And, you know, I want to, like, teach him everything I know about MMA, keep him from making the mistakes that I've made. Mm. So I, I'm getting a lot of happiness from that because his last fight, he fought a lot like me. And, and um, that made me so proud. He picked the guy up and slammed him. Really? Yeah, and he slammed him like a couple of different times. Like, man, that's how I used to fight before I learned how to knock people out. And, and that, that made me real happy. So I want to see if I can pour all my knowledge into him. Right. Damn, so to what extent... We're, like okay, does he go around telling everybody he's rampage his son, or is he sure. kind of low key about it? I'm not sure. I think I think he's low key about it, but at the gym where he's at, you know, everybody knows. But I, I don't know. I think he's low key about it. Like in my house, you know, growing up with them, we never really talked about MMA. We never talked. I remember my two youngest kids, they have Japanese ones. They they thought it was normal that they thought everybody's dad was on TV. Right. So it was not something that we really talked about but every now and then my daughter would tell me like some people on her team find out that she's my daughter because you know they're mixed they don't really look like me you couldn't look at my kids my two mixed kids and say like like oh that's rampage kids. and you post them on instagram and stuff or do you try to keep that more private i, I, I have i have posted i don't post them that much but like like if they did something to make me proud or their birthday i, I have i have posted them and stuff but I, I think i don't think they go around telling people that i'm their dad see that's what's interesting is that you know you uh like you saying that you weren't really talking about MMA in the house and everything. On one hand, I feel like there's there's two different different ways you could approach that as a dad. On one hand, you could kind of constantly be informing your kid about all the shit you've accomplished in your life and everything, and a lot of dads would. And then on the other hand, you could kind of just act like it's normal. Because I, I kind of think that with this kind of stuff is like my kid's already used to seeing me on the TV. She's used to me looking through the YouTube thumbnails and seeing me. And you know, like I feel like at some point I'm gonna have to like explain it more. But also, I don't think I'm going to make a big deal out of it. I'm not going to be like, look at how how amazing I am yeah. because I created this podcast. I really would rather her think that I have a pretty regular life. And maybe in time she figures out that, like, oh, other people's lives are more boring than this. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what worked for us and my kids. They're, they're, uh, they try to be, like, real normal kids. I don't think that – they don't wear, like, MMA stuff. They, don't, they wouldn't wear – if I gave them a T-shirt with my, my – they wouldn't wear it and stuff like that. They mm. would – I think they don't they they don't want a lot of people knowing. They try to go and just blend in. Which is kind of like, I've known rappers out here. Like Easy E's son is a rapper. His, no. name, his name is Lil Easy. Oh, for real? <laughs> I mean, there's like a lot of rappers like that who kind of they take on the 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 ego of their father or whatever. Yeah. And it's I've always wondered about that idea because it's 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 kind of tempting to stand on your own as well. Yeah, my oldest son is like that. He's um. I got an older son. He's 23 years old, and he he's getting into rapping. And he he told me the other day that he opened up for um, DJ Paul, and and I don't think he told DJ Paul he's my son. Really? But you would never guess he's my son because uh, my oldest is albino. He's like he got blonde hair and blue eyes. Wow. No no skin pigment. Yeah, yeah. And he I don't think he tell people that he's was that. Did that bring around about challenges as a kid? Like did he get picked oh, on yeah. and stuff like oh, that? Yeah. yeah, he yeah I had him. I got him when he was three years old. So. He, he he got raised uh, most of his life in Orange County, uh -huh. and so I knew he was gonna get picked on. So I taught him how to like make fun of people. I taught him how to have thick skin. Mm. So if anybody picked on him, oh, he snapped right back and he hurt their feelings. And that worked. So yeah, he wasn't worked. he wasn't coming home from school with his feelings hurt. He was coming home telling you how he made fun of somebody yeah, back. Yeah, but I noticed he didn't have a whole lot of friends. Like my other son, the twenty two year old one, is fighting. He had a lot of friends, but my older son, he didn't he didn't have a lot of friends. He would tell me like. 
some kids used to ask some stupid questions like, "Why you dye your hair and why you dye your eyelashes and your eyebrow?" <laughs> and he, you know, he was saying stuff like that. And the kids would would pick on him, but he said he just he just jumped right back on him and and they'll leave him alone. So a new kid would pick on him and he'll make fun of him right back. So, but did you ever have the conversation with him like, "Hey, if somebody makes fun of you bad enough, you got to punch him in the face"? No, no, no. Okay. Never, avoid never, that. Yeah, avoid that. Yeah, because uh, he um when when um he was real little. I had to take him everywhere. I was a single parent. I had to take him everywhere with me. So he knew how to fight. Mm. He went to the gym while I was training, and my teammates were teaching him how to fight. So I didn't. I didn't want him to. I didn't want him to fuck up because he he was really good. He he could have been a really good fighter because they say if you if you teach any kid any anything before they their third birthday and they grow up, they'll be a genius at it. Yeah. So he was. So I had him there since he was three. So he was training Muay Thai. Uh, uh, since he was three, so I noticed by the time he was six, he was already good. He, his form was better than mine, right? And his his um his technique, he was really good. He had been doing it for three years. I've noticed that over and over and over throughout my life, whether it's like skateboarding and bike riding, the kids whose parents would get them into it at six, by the time they were twelve, they just understood the language of how to move on that thing so well. Yeah. And uh, when I used to take jujitsu classes, there would be like four-year-old kids rolling on the mats before my class, and I'd be looking at them thinking, "A, this seems kind of stupid because these kids can barely do anything out here." But you know, getting them started at this age, as their their muscles develop and stuff, they're really going to probably be in a position to be very talented at this a young age if they yeah. take to it. You know? Yeah, yeah. I was worried about him beating up kids so I always told him just make fun of him don't don't beat him up because he he was really good mm. he, was, he was a really good fighter but he couldn't ever fight because um his eyes twitch really fast really yeah and I didn't, I didn't want him getting hit in, in the head and stuff like that yeah do you do you have that concern as a parent with your kid getting into it knowing that head injury is just a, a potential part of it yeah I, I worry about my my son a lot because he he's decided to be vegan mm. and I don't think that um vegan and and full contact sports go together and so I'm 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 very worried about him, but um, I taught him uh, about my defense, the thing that saved me a lot in my career and kept me from getting knocked out so many times. The cover and roll. Mm. So I, I told him, if you're gonna fight, that's you have to learn. You have to ace that. And so I think he has, he's done he's done pretty good with it. So I'm I'm not as worried about him getting a lot of head trauma because over and over and over over the years i've seen ufc commentators say oh this this guy is is vegan he's been vegan for the past year and then like a year later they're not vegan anymore i feel like it very rarely sticks yeah so hopefully it won't stick with him hopefully <laughs> he won't listen to me yeah uh, everything else everything else he'll, he'll probably you know take what i say but the vegan like no i know what's right for my body this that i'm like son it's, you know if you wasn't an mma fighter yeah go ahead but you you're an mma fighter like he gets injured all the time he's always sick there's nothing like animal protein. Nothing like animal protein. Let me tell you. I know you need you need, it, especially when you're trying to like build muscle and you know, and you're trying to like. I was vegan slash vegetarian for like three years during high school, uh-huh. and I was out riding bikes like super hard, like eight hours a day. And as soon as I started eating meat again, it start it went from like my body needing like three days to recover to like I was I was just good the next day. It was it's just it's another world of muscle recovery once yeah. you're eating meat. Yeah, I'm see, I'm gonna show my son this part right here because I've been trying. I've been trying to tell him. I told him, I said, look, I won't say anything if you show me one gold medalist or MMA champion, boxing champion, yeah. any champion or gold medalist that's a vegan. I could show you a lot of UFC fighters who were vegan for like a year or two. Yeah, and I, then turn their back on it. Yeah, I want I want to look that up because he ha- he can't show me one champion that's a vegan. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really These bad. Fucking kids. Yeah, they don't listen. <laughs> they don't listen. You got like fifteen years. 
Yeah. They're not, she's not going to listen to you. Like, she's going to be dressing the way she want to dress. Yeah. My daughter be wearing, like, little short, skimpy things. Really? I'm like, uh, yeah, she tried to sometimes. Like, I'm like, no, take that off. Mm. Put put on something else, more respect. But most of the time, she wears, like, baggy sweats and stuff like that. But every now and then, she want to wear some shorts that she grew out of. <laughs> I'm like, no, you, you done grew out you done grew out of those shorts. Oh, it's gonna be to so them. weird just having to be like, mm, those shorts are okay, but those shorts aren't okay. Or those shorts were okay a couple months ago, but you're bigger and you gained a little weight and now the shorts are too tight, so those shorts are out of here. But it's gonna be a fight every time. Yeah. That's the wildest thing. Damn. Boys are so easy. Mm. You go you're gonna have more more kids? Yeah. Yeah. Boys Definitely. are so easy. Boys are so much more easier. But but one of your sons is fighting just like you. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I feel like there's got to be some, like, if your son is way different than you. Like, do you think you would have had a hard time if you had a gay son? Would it be harder for you to relate to him? Yeah, it would be. Um, be a big learning curve. It'd be a, yeah, it'd be a big learning. I would love him no matter what. Mm -hmm. But it, it would, I, I would just say, I would just say, like, just, well, same thing I tell my daughter. Just don't, don't be, like, showing affection in front of me. Mm -hmm. Even, even, you know, even the same thing with my daughter. Don't, but in my culture, my and my my family culture, we don't we don't like make out in front of our parents stuff anyway. Right. In, in my family, so so I'll just make sure you like you keep that you keep that thing going. Just don't make out in front of me. Right. I think that's be the main thing. But my youngest son is nothing like me. He's a genius. He's really smart. Not saying that I'm not smart. I think he got his smarts from me because his mom is dumb as fuck. Mm. But you know, I, my son, he's like he's like on a um, engineer. Like he like to make robots and shit. He's mm. like he's like really smart and. Only thing, the only thing that we haven't come that we both like video games. Right. But he don't like playing video games with me because I suck. <laughs> <laughs> at like what, Fortnite and shit? Yeah, I suck at all. I, li I like Fortnite. I'm okay. But on, on, compared to him, I suck. My son, I think he's like under like the the professional level. Right. He's just really, he's just really good at video games. I took a break from video games at like maybe like uh, 1998. I play, in 1999, I was playing Tony Hawk 2 and all that shit, and then I went maybe like 10 years without playing video games, and once I came back to it and tried to play like first-person shooters and shit, I just lost it. Yeah. Like, my brain grew up on Duck Hunt and Mario Brothers, yeah. and so to fucking switch to Fortnite and have to be able to move and look around and do all this, I have to build? Like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, It's I, too I, much. I know. The building, I couldn't get with the building, but the, they got the no-build Fortnite, and I got back I into that. that. Yeah. It, it, it's fun. Like the the video games now, these days, they're they're good. They're mm. good now. You know what I'm saying? They, they're good now. There's like a old Black Star album uh, with Most Def and Talib Kweli, and I think it's Talib Kweli bar. But he says something in the song. He says, "I'll raise my son with no justification of manhood necessary." And I I think about that lyric all the time because that's a nice idea to think about raising your son in a way where he would never have to prove himself or he would never have to like justify his manhood or anything like that. But I also feel like in a lot of ways it's kind of unrealistic because if you want to teach your son to survive in this world, they got to know how to fight right. and they got to know how to talk to girls and they got to like, th there's a lot of things that make you a man that you have to learn at a certain point. Right. Right. I agree with you a hundred percent on that. You know, there's so many different ideas and people, there's no like, correct handbook on how to raise kids and stuff like that mm -hmm. so you know you know you got to do what's right for you you have you seen people who like to tell other people how to raise their kids and stuff and like nobody likes that mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so you know 
and when my parents try to tell me how to raise my kids, you know, I'm like, you know, I tell my parents, right now, shut the fuck up. These are my kids. There's no no right right way. There's a wrong way for sure, like beating your kids and and I think people are too strict on kids. Like a lot of people don't understand it. Like my, my ex wife, she's an Asian Asian tiger mom. Like you know what that is, right? A tiger mom. Super into education super, and keeping them in activities and stuff. Yeah, super strict though. And and I've read that when you're that strict on kids, you you make them um better liars. Cause the kids yeah. your kids gonna lie anyway, right? But when you super strict on your kids, they're gonna rebel and they're gonna figure out ways on how not to do what you want them to do and lie to you about it. And and sure enough, she was doing that to my son. My son was turning into a really good liar. And I have a different relationship with my kids because I'm proud. I like look, I'm proud of you. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I don't have to. I don't have to push them on education or or anything because she goes overboard. And I, I'm just the opposite. I'm like I'm like real positive with them. Like I'm proud of whatever you whatever you do, whatever you want to grow up to be. You know, whatever. Because my my ex wife was so hard on my son. He was threatening suicide. You know what I'm saying? Really. So you just it just makes you take a step back and look at your kids different. But is is co-parenting? Pretty smooth from your perspective. Do you guys have a good relationship in that regard? No, we we used to we used to all the way up to uh, last year. Everything was good. Co-parent, everything was good up to like like last year. Now now things uh, me and her are not friends anymore. Really? What what changed? It just got real. Well, it, it was, my situation was really weird. I married I married her like uh, probably like at the end of two thousand five. Mm-hmm. 2006, and then uh, right before I fought Chuck Liddell, she filed for divorce. Mm. She she wanted to get divorced because I had to get custody of my 22-year-old son, the one, he was six years old at the time, the one that's fighting. I had to get custody of him, and she didn't want me to. And come to find out later, she was pregnant with my daughter at the time, so I was already a single parent when she met me. So overnight, we would have four kids because mm. so, she had had my, my son and my oldest, so we had like uh, three three kids. And when, when I got custody of him, then she didn't tell me she was pregnant. Long story short, we we she wanted to cancel the, the divorce, and um, and I wanted to get divorced over with because I was fighting Chuck Liddell. It's going to be my biggest payday ever. I was like, no, you just want to get a lot of money because you know I'm, I'm about to be champion mm. and I'm going to make all this money. Wow. She, said, she said, no, 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 I proved to you I, I don't want to. I signed some paperwork. She signed a uh, post-nuptial. So we're going to fast forward 16, 16 years, you know, and um, – we we living together and stuff now because um, COVID happened and I, I moved us all together so I can be with my family because I didn't know what was happen. I don't I, I'm like one of the conspiracy theorists type of person. I don't I don't know what's going to happen. So well, there was a time period where everybody was scared shitless of COVID and a yeah. lot of people did a lot of irrational things yeah. that when we look at it now, it's like why was my girl uh, wiping down the Postmates bags when we were getting yeah, food yeah. delivered? Like I don't I don't really know. Yeah, we, yeah, it was all that craziness. <laughs> yeah. so I moved in with the, with them and then some stuff happened, so I filed for divorce. So when I filed for divorce, uh, like what, 15, 16 years later, um, she got angry. Mm. She didn't want to get back together, but she wanted—I guess she wanted to stay, stay, stay married on paper. Because I don't know if she was lying to her parents or whatnot. So that changed everything. That changed our friendship mm. and everything. We—I thought when I filed for divorce, we were no longer friends. Definitely. And then that, then that like drove a wedge between me and my kids you know how some women are they try to turn their kids against you and all this stuff i, I was going that's got to be terrible yeah it's very terrible i was going through all that stuff but now i've i've i fixed everything i fixed everything with my kids and I, I still still don't you know deal with her but i just fixed everything with my kids now right um how often do you have a drink these days 
Because uh, this is a very different rampage than the one I was hanging out with on the Fight Companion. I was drunk. As, <laughs> I was drunk as fuck on the Fight Companion. I think I just got back from Thailand. I had just got back from Thailand. There. You were having a good time. It was great to see you like that. Yeah, because I was I was trying his um his um his, oh, his thick drink. thick boy thick tiger thick tiger something like that. Yeah, yeah. tiger thick a thick tiger something yeah. like that. I think it was thick thick. And you told him that you didn't like the name. I didn't like the name. <laughs> But the whiskey was good as fuck. Yeah, yeah, the whiskey was good as fuck. But I, I, I'm a casual drinker, you know. So I drink, I drink here and there. But you know, I, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a big drinker. And that's why I got, that's why I got tipsy real fast. Mm. But this early in the morning for me. I don't, well, so, you never know. Yeah. Dennis Rodman came in drunk as fuck in the morning. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, we had to reschedule it three times because he kept being too drunk by like 11 a.m. That's a, he, that's a problem. He got a real problem. That <laughs> sounds a lot different than your relationship. Yeah, yeah no, I, I drink. I'm a casual drinker. I don't I don't go crazy over it. Right. No, I was just in Vegas, and I had, like, three drinks one night, and I'm fucking puking the next morning. I couldn't believe it. Was you drinking on an empty stomach? No, but I was drinking a bunch of different types of liquor. And also, like, my girl and one of the filmers also was puking, and I think that I think that might have been some bad fish when we went to dinner. Yeah. Because it didn't really feel like any time I've ever puked from alcohol before. Yeah, yeah, that, that wasn't alcohol. You only had three. And you a casual drinker? I honestly haven't been really drunk in, like, four years. Oh, I, remember you, I remember you said you stopped drinking. Every once in a while I'll have, like, you know, two or three drinks in a night, but not really. But did you have a problem with it before? Uh, it wasn't the problem with alcohol so much as the do, drinking alcohol and popping Xanax and snorting Coke. No, doing no. all those together became a little bit of a problem when for had, a while there. When you had these three drinks, and you didn't want to do Coke and Xanax. Nah, I think that part of my life is way gone. You see, I've never gotten to drugs. Yeah, I never. Weed is the only drug I ever tried. I know so many people who died from fake Coke and fake Xanax that I don't even think I could ever do it anymore. Man, it's scary right now. Yeah, it's fentanyl and everything. Right? Yeah. It's scary. Terrifying. Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't want anything to do with it. Now that I got a kid, it's like, whoa, I can't take any risks with my life. Right. That was a weird thing. A, re a realization when I had a kid is like, oh, you have to be prepared to die at any moment for this kid. Like, you have to jump in front of a fucking bus for your kid. And not because you, like, have to because society expects you to or whatever, but because I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I didn't do that. Yeah. And that, in a way, I feel like I kind of became a man by having a kid because it, it gave me something that I would gladly die or kill over. Yeah, that's the um, that's like the natural order of life. It's like it's like almost like the reason why we exist to to have our DNA, you know, what I'm saying to pass on our DNA. It's a, it's a it's the weirdest thing. It's like it's like animals, you know, what I'm saying it's like the weirdest thing you. You're supposed to feel that way, and mm. and me being a fighter, I always felt like I was disconnected from from other humans, and I'm not in touch with my emotions. I'm not I'm not in touch with my emotions. Like like if I'm stressed out, I don't know that I'm stressed until my eyes start twitching. You know what I'm mm. saying? I'm, I'm weird. I don't I'm not in touch with my emotions, but my kids, it's the weirdest thing. Like my especially my two youngest kids, my and my and my youngest son, he's the only kid that I was there in the hospital witness him come out. Right. My other ones are like. You know, I, you know my college babies. You know what I'm saying, and I never saw their mom even pregnant. But my my youngest ones, it's it's, a, it's like a closer bond. I'm I'm close to all my kids, but it's a different bond because I watched them ever since they was babies raised up. Yeah, that's one thing I'm super thankful for is that I waited until I was like you know 37 or 36 to have a kid because if I had gone through the process of having a kid with some random girl that I met when I was 22, I mean I probably would have been an absent father. Yeah. 
I mean, realist, I probably wouldn't have been a terrible father. The bond is different. Yeah. The bond is different, but I, I was fortunate to – it sounds fucked up, but both my, my baby mamas was like deadbeats. Uh, so, fortunately, I could get to raise my kids, and, and, I, and I had them ever since they were little. My oldest three, my other one six. But they, they, they changed me. Like my, Sometimes, like, I'll be talking to my son, my younger son, and, and I get emotional. Mm. And I don't like feeling like that. Like, I, we'd be talking about something, and, like, because, um, you know, I, I see them, like, on the weekends and stuff, and they're like, like wow, you, you got taller since the last time I saw you. Especially if I'm busy, if I've been out of the country for, like, a month or two, come back and see them, like, wow, you done shot up. And then I'm like, I remember when you was a baby. I remember blah, blah. Then I get emotional. I'm like, what mm. the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Having a kid definitely made me way more emotional. And it, it's like it doesn't happen with her that much in the sense, like, there's there hasn't ever been a time where I'm watching her do something and I was so proud that I started crying. But I was watching a reality show the other day about these guys who go out into the wilderness for, like, a couple of months. It's called Alone. Amazing show. And uh, then they come back to their families after, like, three months and they're fucking, you know, it's, it's like torture being out there in the woods. And just seeing this guy reunite with his kid, I'm sitting there on the couch crying my fucking eyes out yeah. watching this because this, this shit hit me so hard. Yeah. I don't know. I, that's one thing I really like about having a kid, though, is just has made me way more of like a real human yeah. being again. You know what fucked me up? The movie Clicked. What was that about? With Adam Sandler. It was. It. it you have to watch it, bro. It was like. Um, it's been. I won't watch it no more. It's been years since I watched it because that movie fucked me up because I was just spending so much time away from my kids mm. and I was working and stuff like that. But it's it's about him like basically chasing his career. Mm. And spent and spending more time on his career, and and um, he found this um, remote where he can like, he can like, f uh, he was missing a lot of time with his family, so he can fast forward things, and so he can like just coast, he can coast through it, and then he can be there for his family at certain times. Okay. And and like when he fast forward, he fucked up a lot of shit. He missed a lot of shit. He was like a zombie. He was there, but he wasn't there. He don't remember stuff. And mm. then it's you have to watch it, bro. It's it it, it, it it'll have you it have you like. It have you have have a different outlook on on spending time with your family and stuff like that. It, it fucked me up. I won't watch it anymore. Right, I can't. Cause you ever you ever find yourself you're spending time with your kids, your family, and you find yourself sort of not being present. You're looking at your phone. You're you're trying to watch something on TV, whatever. And then like I, I had this experience over the past co or the past day because our power went out yesterday, so I can't use my phone and I can't watch TV. And all of a sudden, it's just me, my girl, and my kid, and I'm just trying to keep her happy, keep her entertained. It's a fucking weird feeling. Like, why? Like, I have all these other things that are in my life that are keeping me distracted from just zoning in on the most important thing. Bro, I I know I had to put my phone down, but but now it's my kids. Mm. They they got the phone. I'm trying mm. to hang out with them. They got the phone, and that's got to hurt because you kind of taught them to be like that. Yeah, just from them modeling themselves after you, yeah. right? Yeah, my my son. Always on his phone, always on Reddit. I'm like, boy, you watching, <laughs> you watching porn? And he's like, no, I'm, just, I'm in like video games or whatever. You Make know? sure you don't join the No Jumper Reddit. <laughs> he, it's a, it's a wild he, place. He, he probably knows about. Might it. already be in there. My, my son, he got caught. He got caught watching porn like when he was younger. And, By uh, you? His mom caught him, and he got real embarrassed. His mom told me right in front of him. And I looked at him. He got real embarrassed. He was really red. But his mom is straight from Japan. Like, she don't understand. I said, listen, it's natural. The boy's going to watch porn. And yeah. I, then I got to thinking. I got to thinking. It might be my fault that he was watching porn. Because one time he, he needed my phone to to type, to Google something. And when you Google, and last thing, whatever the last thing you was watching. Fat asses. <laughs> last thing I saw, I gave it to him, and he looked and he looked it up and stuff like that. And it was porn already. It was the last page I was watching. <sighs> 
Yeah. I was like, that might have been that might have been my fault. I mean, he was gonna get curious either way at some point, right? All I asked his mom, like, what type of porn was he watching? That's, that's all I was. Yeah. That's all I wanted to know. He was watching boy girl porn. I was like, okay, that's. Good. I've thought about this a few times too, because it's like on one hand, you don't want him looking at it, but on the other hand, it's the most natural thing in the world. And realistically, even if I stop you from looking at it right now, how the fuck am I going to stop you from looking at yeah. it a week from now? It's like it's not happening. They they have a computer. They they could use their friend's phone, whatever. Right. Well, if you use your phone's your friend's phone to jerk off, that's pretty weird, but. Yeah. Just right. in general, it's like they're gonna find it. They're gonna find you. Can't shelter from me. I remember when I was a kid, <laughs> we used to look at those nudie magazines. We didn't have oh, phones yeah. back then, but I remember. So right now, I think it's better that they got it on the phone because oh, we we couldn't go and buy it. We had to get nudie magazine, and I couldn't figure out why the pages were stuck together all the goddamn time. <laughs> and then now I, I get older, <laughs> I go back, I go back, and I wish I could go back in time to my youngest. Like, Don't touch that. Yeah. No, because you would you would like have one friend who had a copy of Penthouse, yeah, and you'd go over his house and just look at it together and just yeah. be staring at it like it was the most fascinating thing on earth. But what's in the Penthouse? There's nothing really that extreme. That's the worrisome part is that your kid could start looking at porn and they go straight from looking at a naked girl to watching somebody do a, a gangbang right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, you're free to watch that as an adult, but if you're a 12 year old, yeah, I feel be. like you pr- seeing a gangbang might not be a good thing for your development. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. There's yeah. No way to shelter them from me. What What you gonna tell your son? Son, don't watch gang bangs. You, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing you can do. And you don't want to tell them that because right. that that is alerting them to the existence it's, of it. Exactly. <laughs> whatever you tell your kid, whatever you tell your kid not to do, think that's what they're gonna do. Yeah. Whatever you tell them not to do, they're gonna do it. My mom was telling me not to do stuff, and but she didn't tell me why. If my mom would have told me. Don't be sticking your dick in all these girls because you're gonna have some unwanted pregnancies. I probably wouldn't have done it. Yeah. My, my my mom my mom um she she taught me about STDs mm. and I've been good. That, that that always like I still remember what she said. She told me, boy, everything that look good to you ain't good for you. You know, mm. my mom's real country, and and that made sense to me. So so a lot of times I've turned down I've turned down a lot of advances from chicks over the years. Cause I'm like. Mm, you know, I just be wary, and 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 so far I've been good, and, and you know. But she told me not to have sex, but she didn't tell me why. Mm. So I, I, you know, I've been fucking since I was young. I wish my mom would have told me, you know. Then I, but at the same time, I wouldn't have these these wonderful kids, I guess. But there are some things that your parents actually are capable of grounding into your head, though, because like my parents scared the fuck out of me that I was gonna get AIDS if I had sex without a condom. And really, like, the probably 90% of the sex I was having for, like, the first eight years, let's say, of my sexual life was protected. And yeah. then at some point, I just started fucking with no condom. But they scared the fuck out of me for a long time there. Yeah, yeah. I heard I heard stories. This one girl I was dating, she was like, um, I have to take a shower with you um, before we have sex. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I, I like being clean. She said, yeah, but I got to watch the water fall off your dick. I'm like, why? She said, my mama said... If the water drip off your dick, then you got AIDS. <laughs> what I was the like, fuck? I was like, that's not how it works. The water drips off everybody's dick, right? That's not how it works. I mean, uh, how do you even talk to somebody who has such a poor understanding of like how the world works yeah. like that? Like, what do you believe in fucking voodoo as but, well? But, I mean, remember, but remember, I told you I, I was having sex at a young age. So, men this girl, we was probably like 13, yeah. 14. So, you know. One of the most shocking things a girl ever said to me was she sucked my dick in a parking lot. And then she rolled down the window and spit the nut out the window. And I go, what the fuck you do that for? 
She goes, well, I don't want to get herpes in my throat. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't have herpes. And if I did, you would already have it. Yeah. It's not like swallowing the nut is going to be the thing that gives you it. I know, man. These kids weird. need to smarten up. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I think they need uh, more sex, sex education on, on the internet. Yeah, because you know the thing that really scared the shit out of me was when I went to health class when I was in high school and they showed you all the herpes outbreaks and shit. I don't want that. Like, it, it was terrifying. These dicks have like 15 fucking giant herpes on it. They, I, I would have done anything to avoid that as they, a 17 year old kid, you know? They showed that? Yeah. I, I didn't take sex education. I remember that class better than any other class that I ever took the whole time because wow. everybody in the class was sitting there just oh, oh, oh just like falling down and shit because it was so gross. I want to get it to my to my youngest kids now. I want to I want to take I want them to take that class. I didn't I didn't take that class. <sighs> to be honest, it seems kind of fucked up. It's fucked. Up. Hey, but I have to remind. I have to ask you. Do you know about the hard piss though? You know about that trick? Hard piss? No. Okay, so if you ever have unprotected sex or you break your condom, you're supposed to. Uh, within 20 minutes, mm. go and piss really hard. Piss really hard. Even if you got a fart in front, you know, one of those hard pisses, then clean your dick off real good and you're good. You won't catch anything. Even even if, even if she has something, you won't catch anything. I've had I've had friends over the years who swore that they would, could take, like, alcohol wipes and, like, what, swab their penis down afterwards and that that would kind of, like, rescue them from the STDs. I'm not sure, but it's, it's worth a shot. Yeah, know? but I don't see how they would get the... In yeah, that's right. Yeah, because yeah. this hard it cleans out your, your what do you call it, urethra? I call urethra, it, yeah. I call it urethra Franklin. <laughs> I call it my urethra Franklin cord. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. probably wouldn't know what it was called if it wasn't for Hank Hill on King of the Hill always talking <laughs> about his narrow urethra. <laughs> so he, he was having a hard time getting his girl pregnant because I guess his, his urethra was so small that he could the cum couldn't get out. That's bad. I'm pretty sure mine is like normal size. I think mine's normal size. Yeah. But so I didn't believe it either about the hard piss, right? But I was um managed by this guy in England and um he he read this book. It was like an old war book. And the general, whoever, I don't know, whoever was over these soldiers told them when they had sex with hookers mm. and they didn't have condoms or whatever to just do the hard pee and clean up real good right there. And um so I'm gonna pee no matter what. Yeah, yeah, but I, I could pee a little harder, I guess. Yeah, I, 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 I push it out. Whenever I get paranoid, come to break or whatever, I get paranoid, and and I and I push it. And he was the type of guy. He he used to have sex with a lot of different women, mm. and he, even his girlfriend was right there. And he, and he and he he would cheat on her all the time, and she was okay with it, whatever. And she, and, and and he said, "Look, actually, she said after I learned this, have I get have I given you anything?" She was like, "No, he never brought me anything back before." He said, "But before I learned this, I was." I was bringing her home chlamydia, mm. but he said after he learned this, he wasn't giving nothing. Then so I had to take a, a a test before I fought. I had to take a blood test before I fought, and I was in England, and I went to the the, the whatever you call it, the clinic, and and um, I said, hey, can I get an STD test as well? Why why you take my blood? He's like, yeah, and I asked her the question. I said, um, I, I um, I was told if if we, I do a hard piss after we have sex, they would clean out my my urethra Franklin, and um, I wouldn't. <laughs> I went and catch the uh, STD. She said, "Yes, that's true." Really? Yeah. So I tested it out. It's supposed to be true. I mean, you got to get whatever's lingering in there out. Yeah. One way or another. Yeah. I used to think that um, if I just jack off one more time, if afterwards, if well, I that makes sense to me too. Yeah. Clean it. It it'll be good. But uh, but the the hard piss is what I do if the condom ever break or one drunk at night I do something with, with a risky chick. I'm gonna. Learn a lot more about urethras before we sit down again. Maybe we'll do another podcast one day where I'm going to be a urethra expert. Yeah, yeah. Teach me some stuff because I don't know much about it. Hmm.
I like it. Hey, man, I appreciate you coming in. Uh, I told you this uh, on the Fight Companion, or actually probably off camera, but back in the day, like 2011, when I first came to L.A., we would, uh, you know, go to the, the, the clubs on Hollywood Boulevard and stuff. And I remember standing out there just trying to, you know, finesse the door guy to let me and my friends in or whatever. And all of a sudden, uh, probably somewhat drunk Rampage comes out just looking buff as fuck, big old Affliction shirt on. And I just saw you leaving the club with a couple girls. And that was like probably maybe the first celebrity I saw when I got to L.A. So that always stood out to me. And I was in like around 2010 to 2011. I basically like realized that the UFC existed because I didn't really know about it before then. And I was downloading all the fights and watching all this shit. So you were like larger than life to me in that moment because I was like watching all the fights at that exact time period. So then to go on the fight companion and just run into you and. Wow, it's crazy. Um, yeah, it's a good time. That was a long time ago, huh? It was. And you, you could. Say, I, I brought up Supper Club. You don't know what the fuck I was talking about. You're yeah. like, was that a club or something? Yeah, Supper Club. <laughs> I, it was the one with, the, with all white inside, right? Uh, I think so. They would have like the girls wearing couch. all white, like coming down from the ceiling yeah, and twirling white, around. It was the white couches and stuff. You remember, yeah. you know, LA, the clubs changed so much. That club probably isn't even called that anymore. No. If no. I had to guess. Yeah, I, I remember going in there a few times. I don't remember having two chicks coming out with me, though. Yeah. Mm. You had too many chicks. You forgot. Yeah, you know, back in the day. <laughs> Rampage, I appreciate you, Doug. Man, thanks for having me, bro. My man, legend, my guy. Rampage Jackson, No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. Check us out on YouTube, TikTok, Patreon, Instagram, etc. Like, comment, and subscribe. Honestly, this is probably the first podcast I've ever done where I didn't shower before the podcast because I was fucking dealing with my house flooding all last night. Well, we didn't smell you, bro. You didn't smell me? No. I don't even have a t-shirt on. Damn. Just a, I, I was wearing this to sleep before. Damn, we didn't smell you. Well, that's good to know. We got to go take a picture, so we're going to be a little bit closer. But Rampage, we out.